Hello and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. I'm your co-host, Renaissance Marie. I use they, them pronouns. Today, I'm feeling fresh and flirty, but also frustrated. The three Fs, of course, because mm. of the testing, COVID testing problem that I already ranted to Sunny about. Yes. But Ugh. to keep it short, everyone reopen your testing sites, please, so that I don't have to wait in two hours for two yeah. hours. I haven't heard a single thing from anyone I know about having to wait less than one or two hours for a COVID test. Like every single person I know who've, who's been trying to get one has waited mm-hmm. two hours plus for one, which is really sad and horrendous. And what a, what a horrible way to start off 2022. Like, can how's you believe? Getting, how's the line getting longer the longer we're in the pandemic? Like, yeah. if anything, this process should be expedited. No, literally. Like, why is this more not more efficient? Because at this point, shouldn't we have gotten the gotten the gist of it, gotten used to, like, figure out the administrative portion? Nothing. Like, God. Anyway, death to America. Um, my name is Sunny. <laughs> Welcome to the Lemon Menace Podcast. I am the other co-host. And, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, that's how I feel today. And, you know, we're bringing in the new year with really, with really, uh, what's the word? Really great vibes. Well, no, mm-hmm. we're bringing the new year with a lot of <laughs> self-reflection, a lot of reflection on the past year, which is what we're going to be doing in this mm-hmm. episode. But still following yeah. our typical three-section format as we usually do and have done for almost every episode so far our consistency our, our consistent sleigh that has been a consistent mm-hmm. sleigh of this year of us having started this podcast uh, earlier this year well right now it's still 2021 technically so yeah yeah this past year but we'll be hearing this in 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 the new year first we're gonna be going through some of your hot takes then we'll be talking about uh the shared media that is at the podcast that we made and like sort of our thoughts and reflections of you know this whole project and then we will be giving each other media recommendations as usual i will start off with a a hot take submitted by anonymous because you didn't put your pronouns or name in the message itself and this hot take is titled not a hot take um (laughs) hey renaissance and sunny i like to start off by saying i love the pod Thank you. I've been to all the episodes in a short period of time. Whilst listening to your most recent episode, and this was sent in December, so this was regarding the passing Nella Larson episode, um, I noticed you didn't dwell too much on the queer themes of passing. I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts slash analysis about the a- this aspect of passing. So yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think things that we've already said about passing within like a racial and historical sense have to do with like queerness and sexuality and gender and stuff? Specifically for passing, like it does play a role. I think in that episode, we didn't dwell too much on it because as much as we love our listeners, not everyone who listens to the podcast can be trusted (laughs) responding well to what we say on the podcast which we will get into again as we review it. So I think that for that episode, it's really important to kind of get into like the historical aspect and also analyze it as art project mm-hmm. or, you know, for like, you and yeah. adaption and for me, you know, yeah. as, as a film. In terms of its sapphic themes, I definitely think that they are there. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's also, it's so heavily just tied to how like women relate to each other and how women relate to each other in different areas that I feel like it lends itself well to overall sapphic vibes because Mm -hmm. of that and Mm -hmm. 
the kind of like complicated relationships that women can have with each other. Yeah, and that's very thematically um, relevant to our entire pod, right? Like, yeah, the, it, whole, exactly. Yeah, our and lo- like it's very our love, our love lasts lasts so long. Long. <laughs> like between yeah. because between they're childhood them, friends. It's very that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely having like a, a close childhood best friend that you end up like having a fallout with or you don't see for many years and then in adulthood yeah. or like yeah i come back together and have a complicated relationship yeah. with again part and there's two. that weird buffer of like your husbands being interesting people exactly uh, very on brand for yeah. the type of sapphic media that we yeah, talk about for sure on for sure this yeah. podcast i i think that what this person is trying to ask is the media the tv or the movie or book itself passing and like the queer themes within it I think that's what they're trying to get at. I, at first, I thought that they were trying to talk about like what it means to pass as like a queer person or whatever. I was like, "What are you? Lit- oh. What do you mean?" I was because I was thinking like, "Oh, do you mean like yeah. do you pass as straight? Do you pass in terms of like transness or cisness? Like do you?" Pass? But then I was like, "Wait, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. This is about the media itself. I'm pretty sure." So, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, with this, I I think this side this kind of. I, over the past year, I've learned something about myself in terms of the type of sapphic media that I enjoy. I don't really like sapphic media that is so heavily focused on an explicit romance. I don't. That's not really something that I am that concerned with, or I am that mm-hmm. I look for in in media about like queer women. I am more interested in like the intimacy and and complexity of relationships that women have with each other that can go undefined or are confusing and muddled in the way that like the human experience often is for a lot of us like like a lot of the books and media that we've talked about on the podcast whether that be the divines with uh ellie eaton as we're we're obviously going to get into later but and also with you know of course the subliminal messaging within like taylor swift's music like all this stuff it's not or even even the seven husbands of evelyn hugo where Ultimately, it is a, a relationship. It is a story about a relationship, but it's within the context of someone else's entire life. Like all of these pieces of media that are really foundational to a lot of the things that we talk about here, I feel like are less quote lesbian romance stories and more exploring the the queerness of girlhood and womanhood and of sapphic love and desire and intimacy in this way that. For people who don't get, like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Like, mm-hmm. people, <laughs> you're not going to see like, it if you don't want to, you know. In passing, if you yeah. read it or watch it and you don't pick up on this tension between these two main characters, then you're not, you know, in, like, a sexual or romantic way. That's really, you're not going to pick up on it, you know? It's just, but anyway. You prefer exploring the queerness within another realm or world itself mm-hmm. rather than that being the explicit center of it yeah yeah like like a story that applies queerness into things that are just like human relationships like Mm -hmm. how do people relate to each other Mm -hmm. and then what is the queerness within that Mm -hmm. rather than just what is a queer relationship period and it's Mm -hmm. just like a romance story about Mm -hmm. two gay people or two sapphics Mm -hmm. together yeah yeah definitely because i mean it's also why like even for straight people, like, you like normal people, or, well, we both like normal people. <laughs> right, right, right. That was a very fun episode. But, like, their relationship is so complicated and goes in and out, and yeah, it's sometimes yeah. romantic and sexual, sometimes not. Yeah. But I feel like, obviously, their sexuality plays a part into it and in that there's no 
battles with queerness in mm-hmm. a way that I think if you were gay in Ireland, mm-hmm. there that would yeah. be a big. There's like media the story, that explicitly like, deals with that as a theme and not yeah. just intimacy necessarily. You know, um, yeah. But I also think even normal people itself kind of. The level of intimacy and the way that this re- the relationship is described in in the book. Well, I've only read the book. I haven't seen the show. Like the way that that mm-hmm. relationship of these characters are portrayed, I think really kind of goes to show the like Sally Rooney's understanding of queerness and gender, like in her own relationship Same. with herself and her body and gender. Like I think it's so clear I that she herself normal people is a queer book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, I like, think I would just I would yeah. just say hashtag that's the hashtag hot take. Normal people is a queer. Book <laughs> yeah, I think one of the really funny things that I think was something that I, one of the lines in normal people that I still think back to sometimes is how Sally Rooney obviously she's like bisexual and she's out, but one of the lines that Marianne, the main female character, says like kind of to herself is, "Yeah, Connell's gonna go off to college and like probably date some bisexual girls or whatever." <laughs> the fuck up i was like yeah miss sally like (laughs) get the get them get those girls please yeah oh oh also speaking of like just like media and stuff that we've well i didn't read this in the past year but it's it got adapted in the past year so like it's gotten a lot of cultural attention i'm pretty sure so like you know it's a it's a revival for her but when I was reading this book and a lot of my friends were at the same time, a lot of my friends were like, Sunny, you remind me, or Marianne reminds me a lot of you, Sunny. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, I was so annoyed and mad. I was Why? pissed. I was pissed. Well, I mean, I think all characters who remind me of me are annoying as hell because I think... <laughs> think all of them are so annoying oh my god i need to tell you about this towards the end of the like i think if i met Mm -hmm. someone in real life who was like very similar to me i would beat them up because i'd be like what is wrong with you so (laughs) you have so many besties that have similar signs and placements to you though yeah but they're like but we're we're but like as people like we don't we don't like act the same way like we don't move through the world in a similar way like I don't know anyone who like I feel like is like really like me in, in terms of lining up interests emo- like emotional processing like communication mm-hmm. intellect I don't think anyone is like same but that's true for most people which is why like when, when you see yourself yeah. in characters or you see other people in characters I'm always it's just so it's just so interesting because like Anyway, anyway. No, I get you, I get you. That's that hot take, but do you want to get into the the, the other hot take we wanted to discuss? Yes. This hot take was sent by Henry, and I'll just read it. Hello, my name is Henry, he, they, lesbian. Love to the he, they, lesbians. And Twitter, at about the NYC. Oh, about then NYC. I am a huge fan of the podcast and all of your correct opinions. Thank you, Henry. Henry. Sometimes I'd be listening to your podcast and texting my girlfriend. Okay, flex. (laughs) Okay, Henry, I was also a fan of you, but then you just had to sprinkle it. You could have just said, I'll text my thoughts. But no, you have a girlfriend, and that's okay. Some of us can't relate, but that's okay. Anyways. And I'm texting my girlfriend my thoughts. And you'll say my thoughts as I type them. Okay. Henry, I'm back on your side. I'm making (laughs) my way through the podcast episode. So apologize if you've talked about this. I'm assuming already. But I would love for you to address the lesbophobia surrounding the way the conversations change when people talk about potentially closeted men with beards and women. 
I truly think the majority of people believe Shawn Mendes and Camila dated to help him cover up his sexuality. Some people say it's not okay, but we need to respect privacy, but it's done so like a rational human being. If you even joke that Joe Alwyn may be a beard on an account that isn't locked or that has a small <laughs> following, you'll see actual hate. Whoa. I believe Sunny made a TikTok talking about how Harry Styles is allowed to be unlabeled, but Taylor Swift cannot. I don't think anything I've laid out here is super profound, but it's just frustrating the long list of excuses people will lay out for why a woman isn't sapphic when this woman has had matching scissor necklaces with someone. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, get her, Henry. Henry has a girlfriend and is coming after everyone. Coming after Sean and Camila. Coming after after Harry Styles, Taylor Swift, Joe Owl. No one is safe. No one, no one is, is safe. safe in the present. <laughs> Okay, there's <laughs> more. Whereas Harry Styles hasn't done anything besides sometimes uh, waving a rainbow flag and wears bad dresses and people will get very defensive if you talk about how it feels hollow and lacking authenticity. Obviously, people are able to see Harry Styles as queer because of how he dresses, but Shawn Mendes has never embraced the gender bending, so that's not the only factor. Thank you for your podcast, Best Henry. Thank you, Much Henry. Love to Thank Henry. you. This made me giggle. <laughs> it gave me the laugh. You know what's funny about the post that I made? Um, the TikTok that mm-hmm. I where I made that my little rant about how people will think any man in the industry is queer when he does nothing, whereas yeah. a woman has to be like, I am a lesbian to be seen as, you know, queer. Or make a song about, mm-hmm. like, eating pussy or whatever. But, like, but I think, okay, it's funny that that post is what he's talking about because I literally copied and pasted a thread that I <laughs> made on Twitter that I was, like, I was so mad. I was just writing out my thoughts and then I just made it into a TikTok as well. I love plagiarizing myself. It's, like, one of my favorite things to do. I think that with the Sean and Camila thing, there's so much obvious proof that their relationship is like a sham, you know? Like when they finally broke up kind yeah. of recently. There was a TikTok or a post that was like, this was the longest PR relationship that no one bought. Yeah, like no one literally. bought this relationship yeah, from yeah, the beginning. Yeah. We all knew it was a PR relationship. We yeah. all knew that it was fake. Like we figured that like they probably didn't hate each right, other. Like right, you know right. that they were friends or whatever. But yeah. no one was like they're so like, cute. Wow, the only people like, who are saying like, they're, they're so cute chemistry. is the tabloids getting paid to say that shit. Like, please. Very much that. Like, no one was buying this shit. So when they broke up, everyone was like, Girl. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not, this is, you know, whatever. So I have been kind of like, low-key, I think Shawn Mendes is gay since like 2019, if I'm being honest. But honestly, I find Shawn Mendes to be gayer than Harry Styles. <laughs> I agree. Actually, yeah, I want <laughs> like not to be hashtag problematic. Not to have not to have all the Harry Styles stands. I know you Harry Styles lesbians don't like do not play. Like I know y'all defend that man, but listen, listen. Okay, the thing is, like I'll I'll stream from time to time. I don't think he's shaking the table. Like people right. are like, oh my gosh, no one has ever done what he's done. His music is so original. I'm like. No, like, he's a pop artist. Like, his yeah. songs, you know, bought from some time. His lyrics l- don't mean shit sometimes. Right. Like, but Watermelon who doesn't sugar. love a little... Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, yeah. it's like, it's catchy. Like, sure, yeah. put it on, whatever. I don't think... I'm not gonna be like, wow, Harry yeah. Styles, gay revolutionary. <laughs> Queer Mendes, icon. on the other hand. Yeah. Lost in Japan sounds a little fruity if you think about it. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Who, who are you flying to, Sean? Who are you flying to, God. Sean? God. So, currently, you know, not to get into the second part too soon, but for me, another thing that that launched my revelation that I don't really like lesbian romance as the center. <laughs> why i've learned comes i hate lesbians i actually hate lesbians <laughs> this podcast made me realize that i hate lesbians <laughs> so i was i've been like binge reading a bunch of romance novels recently most of them are historical romance like within the romance genre most of them are gay like and then <laughs> and yeah some of them have been contemporary anyway i've and the thing is that i've read a lot of like lesbian romance novels most of them contemporary. Like, I've read a lot of them, okay? And I'm going to be honest. <laughs> most of them are bad. <laughs> like, like, I have to be real here. A lot, most of them are not good. Like, people will recommend, like, Written in the Stars, Alexander Belafour, trash. People talk about uh, Lee Winter's books, bad. Uh, everyone, like, like, I mean, there's some YA contemporaries that are, that are pretty good. I think Kelly Quinlan is fine, I think. And, like, her, her books have made me cry. I don't, if I'm thinking about like lesbian fiction writers, like there are some people that I'm like, okay, th- you're good. But in general, if if the category is lesbian romance or it's like the genre itself is romance, I I don't want to read it if it's straight or lesbian because it's giving. Eh, it makes me uncomfortable because and I also this is the other thing. Most romance novels are written by women. When you're reading a romance novel written by women about two men, there's like so many degrees of separation of gender that like it doesn't it's not even real. Yeah. Whereas when you're reading when you're reading as a quote unquote woman reading a woman writing about a woman and another woman, I'm like Oh, this is, this is a little bit too serious. I, I like we're a little bit too close to the source material, and I'm just I I'm uncomfortable with it, and also because <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. How many source material sent me? <laughs> I think it's it's even worse when it's like straight, right? Oh because with straight mm-hmm. romance, like I mean, I've read some of them, and I've read some where it's like straight, but like the girl is bisexual or whatever and that that actually makes up a huge amount of the romance genre actually from what i've read and like within that it's like you're reading about a man through the perspective of a woman written by a woman so like really you know what i mean like the the degrees of separation and the ways that gender is portrayed in romance it just frustrates me and i don't really like it which is why i eat despite having read attempted to read read like dozens of lesbian romance novels i'm gonna have to stick with the historical romance gay people because the level of, it's, it's it's kind of similar to i think your interest in like lesbian period pieces because you yeah. get the you get the repression of you know 19th century britain or whatever and then so there's already like those that that given cultural like homophobia and whatever that you have to navigate around mm-hmm. and those structures kind of provide an interesting like matrix or you know boundary for the level the types of relationships you have and of course there's typical romance tropes but the thing is that I've, I've noticed that in contemporary romance there's very like boss employee or like enemies to lovers but it's yeah. like a bully romance or it's like friends yeah. or like you know, like yes. it's like it's so it's so uh, it's 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 so unoriginal whereas i think in historical romance yeah. and stuff like you're gonna find your bridgerton stuff right like duke and duchesses and whatever but particularly in gay and lesbian well 
I've read some historical fiction, like, lesbian romances as well, and usually, like, you just kind of have to work around the systems, and also it's interesting to see, from what I've read of the romance genre, the way that, like, white women writers will portray white white sapphics or sapphics of color versus the way that white women writers in the romance genre will portray, like, men of color in relationships it's it's very different because it's very different and it's way i feel like they have so much more i don't know they're able to imbue the men characters with a sense of there's there's more i think political awareness that's also rooted in the fact that you're writing in historical romance for example if you're writing about a black man in london in the 1800s like and he and he does and he's like a bookseller or whatever you're going to have to give him a particular set of like history like where did his parents come from why is he in this role and then you're also and then the person that he's with if he's a white man is like if he's richer than him then how did they get together like the the question of how do these people even get a relationship with each other also in in like mm-hmm. the handmaiden or even like sarah waters novels which aren't romance they're like they're like thrillers they're like historical literary stuff like you get these scenarios where someone is like a thief and someone is really rich and you have to contend with the class difference there or someone is white and someone is black and like what does that mean if you're in the 1900s in whatever city like you get all these Mm -hmm. things that i think are way more interesting than the type of shit that's like really popular anyways the reason why i'm talking about this right now is because in a lot of the historical fiction like gay romances that i've been binging recently it's really funny to see which characters are written to be seen as like flamboyantly gay where like as soon as someone walks in a room everyone's like okay he's gay because it's it's like the 1700s it's the 1800s so like what does that even look like yeah yeah. to imagine like what it's like for like a duke or some or a merchant or someone to walk into a bar and everyone is like and it doesn't he's not even trying to do anything he's just like sitting there and everyone's like yeah that guy does not like women like (laughs) the way that it's described and stuff is so interesting to me versus the other men who are like less clockable like like they're like it's more subtle they're like oh yeah we go out to the like we cruise or whatever but like no one knows about this Mm -hmm. like i'm closeted to everyone for my own safety versus i think that kind of shows to me the 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 harry styles sean mendez divide of like some of y'all are just so like some gay people are just so clockable right off the bat there's no way like you can't even describe it it's just like it's the vibes and everyone can tell literally everyone can tell versus people who kind of have to or in certain particular ways and in certain environments perform their sexuality or play up their queerness in order to get what they want whether that be Mm -hmm. you know actually having your queer relationships and having gay sex in the docks in the 1800s you know like you're gonna certain mm-hmm. it's like it's all environmental right because for some at that point it's like for some really rich men everyone could just know okay you're gay whatever that doesn't really matter you're gonna end up marrying some other rich woman and you're gonna be having heirs anyways whereas with like poorer men like it during the same era it's like well can you uh, what degree of out can you be if you're in what line of like what roles you're going to be in versus like i think the the Mm -hmm. trying to discuss like power and relationships within a historical context and stuff particularly along lines of class and race is really interesting because compared to like now in in like public figures and relationships now like who is trying to dodge the allegations who's failing who is really playing into it who's who's profiting Mm -hmm. off of it like it's i don't know it's really interesting because also with both of these audiences or both of these men like both of these male artists their primary audience is women so it's yeah. like, like i don't know anyway yeah. i mean do i think that harry styles has sucked dick 
Yes. <laughs> I think that. Who do I think is gay? Sean Mendes. Like, like, I just want to clarify that those are two yeah, different questions. Yeah. You know? So don't... It's like, yeah, you know, Harry Styles, I'm sure he's fondled all, all sorts of things. <laughs> Who do I think is the gay man? Sean Mendes. Like, that's just how it's got to be. And I need everyone yeah. to get on this page. Part of me kind of feels bad because I know Sean has been trying to beat these allegations for years. Yeah. And everyone, like, at least what I've seen and also what I participate in, is not even in a homophobic, like, yeah. mean, like, I'm going to hate crime you, you're gay yeah. kind of way. Yeah. It's like, baby boy, give it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, we it's know. It's share. It's okay. Girl, if you don't. Yeah. It's kind of like. God. All the videos where like people like work up the nerve to like come out and or like their mom is like, so when are you gonna come out? Yeah, like they haven't yeah. come out yet, <laughs> yeah. and their parents are just like, they're like, you're yeah. going next. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's very that. It's like it's not even like in a hate crimey type of way. Yeah. Like baby boy, yeah. like you just are gay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to give it to you. Like, yeah. straight men don't move their hips like that, bro. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just in your bones. Like, no, exactly. And, and see, that's, that's just the other what thing. it is. It's like, this has always been the case. Like, some people, they just, as long as gender has existed, like, mm-hmm. and, and constructs to which, you know, like, heterosexism exists like when you deviate from that in an intentional or unintentional way people will catch up on that shit real fast like it's really like the rumors are there because we live in such a rigid society that if you go off the path in one way or another whether you're a harry styles wearing dresses or wearing ugly dresses for stupid ass photo shoots okay but (laughs) i was gonna say though it's like but the thing is is like Sure, like, with how rigid gender is and how strict the patriarchy is, like, mm-hmm. men can't wear dresses. But also, Oh, yeah, like, that's not what I'm arguing. Physically, a man, like, can like, literally any man could wear a dress. Yeah, yeah. Not every man can try and beat the allegations and yeah. still be as gay as Sean Mendes yeah, is. Yeah, like yeah, that. Like, there's yeah. just something exactly, there, exactly. you know? Like, you can and, like, wear a dress and be to... cishet, but, like, you can yeah. be a man who wears a dress and be cishet, but you can be Sean Mendes and be gay. <laughs> Exactly, like, like you can date Camila Cabello for years, yeah, like multiple yeah. years. You can only and still wear be gay. your Sperry's and shit and your fucking your Vineyard Vine ass like yeah. fits for for your whole career and still be clockable. Because listen, listen, buddy, like. <laughs> uh, but see, this is the other thing. Like, I think like the reason why men are seen as more clockable than like women, and something that I've also noticed mm-hmm. in my deep dive in romance novels, <laughs> is that <laughs> women are not really assumed because women's power and autonomy is so tied to their relationship with men like it is a mm-hmm. given like it's a, unless you are opposing gendered norms in such a way where everyone looks at you and is like it's giving tomboy it's giving butch like if you're not <laughs> if you're not really giving that if you're not really being oppositional in a direct mm-hmm. way like people are going to immediately put and even if you aren't people are going to put you in that oh well, when is she going to get married and have kids and blah, blah blah whether that be the 1700s or now right like women are just presumed yeah. to be in this position of deference and relationship to men because it's not even about being attracted like there's so many heterosexual women who don't like men like but like not in a lesbian way right, like right. it's just like what you're told to do what mm-hmm. you do like mm-hmm. if you want a home if you want mm-hmm. any sort of joint income then yeah. you're gonna have to be with a man yeah. it doesn't really matter 
men have been able to have their own money, their own home, uh-huh. inherit, like, forever. Yeah. So, like, they were able to marry off of whatever they want to marry off mm-hmm. of. But it's, like, you know, definitely women are kind of, like, in society devoid of sexuality unless mm-hmm. you, like, explicitly state it one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And so I think, like, that also ex- makes it so that women are far less clockable to general society because people are not looking for it with men because men are seen as people before they're seen as men like women are seen as women before they're seen as people so like mm-hmm. when some when you're acting non-normative as a man as a person it's like oh that's a non-normative person that's a queer person whereas as a woman if you're acting non-normative it's like well you're just a woman like women are weird women are strange they don't like that sort of mm-hmm. thing right like that's why i think the manic pixie dream girl and like lesbian slash queer overlap is so and neurodivergent overlap like this fu- this fucking like venn diagram like it's it's a circle mm-hmm. because the people that you perceive <laughs> as weird in one way or another is going to be it's yeah. in, in in some ways it's going to manifest as undesirability for men or like super desirability in the way that they're like you know fetish objects or it's gonna manifest as like just not being into men or being accessible to men at all but still existing in a way that like makes them think that you are just because of how you like exist and happen to look like and happen to act like and be women are way more likely to be clocked as just like mentally ill or like not not well or like just weird or bizarre or just like a like you're a liberal or whatever as opposed to being Mm -hmm. queer like when when taylor swift says i heart gay people because i'm a hashtag democrat everyone's like oh yeah she's just like so woke and not like this person is gay (laughs) you know what i mean like (laughs) it's not even gay on the low anymore it's gay on the high well i was texting you because when i tweeted about ivy the other day a mini hit tweet about how words can't even begin to describe how fucking good ivy is as a song yeah but it's just like I was listening to it and I was like, formally, this woman isn't out. But I'm like, who's listening to the song? And like, that is a heterosexual one. Yeah. This is this is a heterosexual song. Yeah. Like, yeah. and even if you think it's about another woman, but not in a gay way, still wrong. <laughs> like, it just is a gay-ass song. Like, I don't even Same know Same with Seven, too. How... I, so, I sent yeah. it to my, like, non-Swifty, non-Gayler friend who was explicitly being like, listen, I am not in the Gayler conspiracy truther group. But this song is giving homoerotic friendship vibes AF. I'm like, literally, it like, is. literally, it's just but undeniable. But that's like her entire thing. Exactly. Like her entire thing is The plausible besties. deniability of a homoerotic friendship. Like, and that's the thing. Women have been able to get away with that historically, right? Like, historically, yeah. like, the concept like of, like, Boston marriages. Yes, Boston marriages. And also with Ann Lister, and I forget the last name of her wife. But Ann Lister was the landlord landlady, but, like, in, like, the 1600s or something thing Mm -hmm. in england she like whatever but at the time in english law the only gay marriage that was made illegal like written in law was marriage between two men exactly so because of that Anne and Anne, yes they had the same name but it's still different one is an e at the end one is okay whatever (laughs) irrelevant but went to church together and Uh like exchanged rings outside Uh the church and stuff like that and like married each other in a church because they're all like only like they only saw men as being like the yeah. active participants, mm-hmm. like the people who who do sex, who do marriage, who have exactly. property, and and that's all built into the social like relations of money, property, class, like all these things. So when two women exactly. are just shacked up together, 
it's just like okay that's just what women do and both of them were like really rich like had their own like mm -hmm. manner like yeah. all of that and, and historically so that's like, always no been how boston marriages have been as well it's always been wealthy intellectuals yeah. who live together and they both yeah. happen to be women and everyone's like well we all know they're gay but like it's whatever just hashtag besties yeah like and they're just like you know live together for the rest of their lives casually yeah, and yeah. don't ever marry men and everyone's yeah. like oh how tragic yeah. that they never got married yeah. the thing is is that like, <laughs> like men girl. at that time couldn't really do that because in order to pass no. down the money and property that you were that i mean rich men particularly like for rich men in you know mm -hmm. in the same class as these women that we're talking about for these men one of the biggest things about about you know capitalism and accumulating that shit is like being able to pass it down within your inheritance and having like that focus of like having a male heir or just having someone who is of your bloodline to like give your money and shit too as you die and so that like requires men to be in this position of like having to get married and it doesn't even matter whether you experience attraction to women or not because you're you're gonna make a baby mm -hmm. it does not matter <laughs> like and i mean for women this is true as well in terms of that that reproductive labor element but for wealthy women who weren't put in the position of like you like you need to bring us an heir because they're they're the woman they are not their older brother they're not their brother they're not the person whose name is being tied to the house to the property or they themselves are a widower and like that because like that's the thing people in ancient society and throughout history women who were widowed often could have a level of autonomy and property ownership that other women really could not and single women really couldn't just exist in society as single women you were either a daughter of a father or the wife of a husband right so like but after mm -hmm. you've graduated off of both of those roles and now you're a widow or something it's like well like who who is really the, you're not in the sphere of like a man's home anymore and i think like for many women throughout history who have been afforded the the luck of that position the luck of being born into a certain class the luck of having their husband die <laughs> like i mean if they didn't like them <laughs> you know like because historically women's gender and bodies have been policed in a way that is about like our ability to pr like produce in a way that men's bodies have been placed in a way that is about production and not reproduction right like mm -hmm. even though both of us like men and women obviously are involved in both production and reproduction uh within like any yeah. economy because these the body has been like our bodies have been meshed into these roles it really impacts the way that society at large clocks or doesn't clock very like figures and thinking oh that person's gay that person's not i just think it, it really just goes into this default of people have such lower have much lower standards for men who are non-normative because men are already seen as the norm whereas people have much higher standards yeah. for a woman who is non-normative and queer because women are just seen as abnormal because they're not men like so i think that yeah. is really behind why you know why this whole Thing is going on and also with the whole joe alwyn beard thing it's like i don't think he's a beard but <laughs> I, I neither do i when people suggest that people are getting angry at you it's so funny because swifties are insane like they're genuinely insane of course they're gonna All go types. after you they're literally literally insane i even though i don't think like you know like uh lie detector test do i think joe alwyn is a beard no i right. don't think joe alwyn is a beard i think that they're actually like together. I don't think it's a PR right. relationship because right. first of all, what, what PR would Taylor Swift <laughs> be getting from right. motherfucker Joe Alwyn? Right. Okay, love him. Love his little British British blonde boyness. Yeah, but it's not. It's not giving that. Yeah, they, um, they're giving. They're giving the normal but, people bisexuality. They're giving the Sally Rooney bisexuality. <laughs> it's giving, but it's like, but also it's like that doesn't stop me from 
one, I think the joke is still funny. I think Joe, calling Joe Alwyn Taylor's beard is very funny. Right. I like the idea of her just, like, dragging him around <laughs> like a little rag doll, even though they probably just have a very normal relationship <laughs> on the day-to-day. I like to think of Taylor Swift as kind of, like, bullying him yeah. in, in a way. Because yeah. to me, that's funny, even yeah. though I don't think that way, like, in generally mm-hmm. or genuinely. But I do think that Taylor Swift is also able to kind of, like, Outside of Gaylor's spheres, where we just accept <laughs> that she's bisexual, like I think in general, by the public and by the tabloid, she doesn't have this buzz in the same way that a Harry Styles or a Shawn Mendes does. Because also, she's like so wealthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's so wealthy. It's like mm-hmm. no one is like, oh, who is she getting married to go up on the social ladder? Unnecessary. Girl. <laughs> Even for like B list actress right. or other actresses where. You know, their relationships are a big part of their yeah, yeah. Like people are interested identity. in the Car- Kardashian-Jenners and stuff because they're yeah, constantly social climbing. Exactly. Constantly. Like, the people that they marry and have relationships with Define are them. that. And also, almost like political moves, like mm-hmm. when, like, European royals would, mm-hmm. like, marry each other to, like, consolidate <laughs> yes. power and shit like that. That's what yeah. Kardashian-Jenner relationships is. It's how... all about the consolidation right. of power. Right, Taylor Swift is so powerful. <laughs> she can date Joe Alwyn yeah. and then she's going to be fine. Right. Like, what... The, yeah. You can't climb higher yeah. than Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah. And also, Joe doesn't come off as a person who is using Taylor yeah. Swift to climb the social ladder yeah. for his own benefit. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the reasons why she's able to be so unclockable. I think people are much more interested in her relationships because of the content and the art that she makes about them. Mm-hmm. I think that they're more interested in the fact that for so much of her life and career, she's just seen as this, like, kind of the crazy ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. trope. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously she also, like, leaned into that, which is why we have the fucking banger that is blank space. Exactly. She's very self-aware about right, that. Right. So because I think that oh, Taylor Swift is bisexual, uh-huh. and I think Taylor Swift mm-hmm. knows that she's bisexual, <laughs> I think Taylor Swift is out to herself, yeah. I think that she's able to lean into her possible <laughs> uncalkability. Like, yeah. it's almost like a meta, self-referential. Like, uh, she's getting away with it because she knows that she's not getting away yeah. with it, which helps her get away with it. Like, yeah. that kind of uh-huh. mental play. Uh-huh. But that's also what makes reading into her sapphic content and her sapphic lyrics so much fun. And uh-huh. the way that There's when so much to unpack. Her styles... There's so much to unpack, but when Harry Styles wears a dress, Harry Styles wears a dress. Yes, it's when obvious. Mendes says it's, it's right, giving share. Uh-huh. It's giving share. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, like that's it. Like there's nothing. There's, there's nothing, nothing more, more to right, it. Right. When, but when, uh, like when Taylor uh, Swift has, has Ivy plays at the end, Dickinson. Dickinson. <laughs> Something that no matter how gay either Harry Styles or Shawn Mendes are or mm-hmm. aren't, it will never hit like any little movement that Taylor Swift's sapphic content mm-hmm. makes. Because Henry talks about it being like lesbophobia surrounding the way that, you know, when people talk about being closeted and having beards and how mm-hmm. obviously people clock Harry Styles. But like lesbophobia, and I'm assuming in like a lesbian erasure, like why aren't people talking about more women in public being sapphic and although i think that plays a part into it it's like people just don't think that lesbians exist like people just don't think that there are women who live life without having relationships to men like that's obviously part of it i think when looking at a figure like 
Taylor Swift, especially in contrast to people who use their queerness for social clout, such mm-hmm. as like mm-hmm. uh, King Princess or A Girl in Red or mm-hmm. any of those people. For her, I mean, obviously there are lesbophobic Swifties, like the Hetlers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That aside, though, it once you accept, once you take the Lord of Taylor Swift mm-hmm. into your heart and soul mm-hmm. as a bisexual, mm-hmm. you realize that like that conversation is less about lesbophobia and more about like how is she able to play with her own image how is she taking the yeah. assumption that she's straight and using it to be as flagrantly gay as possible yeah. and still people not kept, mm-hmm. like picking up on it mm-hmm. and it goes into i think when we get to the middle section of the podcast where we talk about reflecting over the podcast is realizing that taylor swift is out to the people who mm-hmm. she knows she can be out to to mm-hmm. the people who are acceptable for being out people who read people She's such an appreciator for her own lyricism, for lyrics, for writing, for literature in general, Mm -hmm. that people who can pick up on literary sapphic references, Mm -hmm. she knows are going to be the people that pick up on them. Because if you're that girl, then you're that girl. (laughs) And if you're not that girl, then you're not that girl. And she knows that. So I think it's talking about that. I think it's less about lesbophobia and more about how can women play the game. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman in power, and <laughs> she's already so aware of how much privilege she has, mm-hmm. and yet she still has to fight against things. Mm-hmm. Girl, have a little fun along the yeah, way. Yeah. Have a couple gay allegations. <laughs> like, what is the point of being Taylor uh, Swift if you can't have a scissor necklace? It's true. It's true. If you can't so, be a, ca- a crazy cat lady and also yeah. have a boyfriend. <laughs> It's, no, like it's for the real. Mystery. <laughs> like the way that she's both the sapphic in solitude and the mm-hmm. hashtag bisexual girlfriend with the yeah. boy, straight boyfriend yeah. is like, girl, have it all. She can buy anything and she can be everything. Literally. Like, do it. Work, bitch. <laughs> Please. Oh like, my god. Oh, and what you were saying about the I fact love. that Taylor Swift's like long, her long list of ex-lovers, um, <laughs> as she herself says, <laughs> yeah. um, sort of is used constantly in the discussions of like whether she is or isn't gay in comparison to like people being like, oh, obviously Sean Mendez and Camille Cabello, like <laughs> we're not together. True, that part. Exactly. That it, part. It's like, it's interesting because the comparison is like, oh, this woman has dated a bunch of men and she's def- mm-hmm. that means that she's definitely straight. This man has dated mm-hmm. women, which means he's, but that def- but he's still gay. It's like, mm, so what's the logic here? Like, what is the through line there? It, it, no, bro. Like, if anything, the Sean Mendes gay allegations went up during his relationship right, right, with Camille right, Cabello, right? Because then it made it even more obvious that he that was he was hiding hide something. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you wanna? <laughs> it was like a hot mess. A conversation I had with a bunch of my friends were all like by women, uh, either in relationships with men. Well, yeah. Well, okay, anyway. So I was talking to them, and I and we were all talking about the way that in society, like, women who seek relationships with men are always blamed for not being treated well or, like, not getting the sex that they want or deserve or not being treated. And where it's like, well, mm-hmm. like, just have sex with people that you want to have sex with is, like, a snarky tweet that people say towards women who, like, complain about their partners or whatever. Where yeah. it kind of, like, turns the question into... it's like it's always women's fault for being treated in a way that is deemed normal by society right and that's really fucked up because when women do expect and demand more and better for themselves and they do date the people that they want to date and sleep with people they want to sleep and like are assertive with you know what they want and like want commitment and seek it out 
and demand that by their partners, then they're seen as like crazy or like have or insane, like dating too many people, like a slut. Like it doesn't even right where mm-hmm. women, it's like if if you are a Taylor Swift in her twenties where she is either dating no one or dating dudes one after the other, it's like either way, whether you say that you're focusing on yourself or like in that one, I think like Ellen interview where where she's like, Are you seeing any boys? She's like, I have not been talking to any boys. <laughs> versus mm-hmm. the tabloids kind of like painting her out to be someone who like is a serial dater that led her to make songs like Blank Space and also songs off Reputation. It's, it's all tied back to how how patriarchal society like really hates when a woman like goes after what she knows she deserves and then like gets it mm-hmm. and then like is happy. It's like y'all hate when women are happy so bad <laughs> because you would rather see people settle down and suffer than go outside of your own puritanical views of like what it what a relationship is supposed to look like or be like or whatever, you know? Like Sean Mendez dated Camila Cabello for so many years mm-hmm. and not for one moment was less clockable as gay. <laughs> <laughs> like also right. it's so funny and weird to me how society allows and encourages men to be so misogynistic Mm -hmm. and so sexist like hate women yeah like hate women for existing Mm. for living for breathing (laughs) like mock us for everything that we do but then still expect men to love women yeah which i think proves that from a heterosexual male view Mm -hmm. relationships with women it's not about loving women like because there are sexist men who have wives and daughters Uh and like grew up and at one point was like dependent on their mother to take care of them and then grows (laughs) up and then hates women violently (laughs) weird like weird af how men are clockable versus not clockable Mm -hmm. it's like well why is the man who wakes up every day saying how much he hates women (laughs) if if you say are you gay He's going to be pressed about it. Right. And being like, no, I'm, I'm not freaking gay. Probably yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, well, bro, you're the one who's fucking looking up to all these men and saying how much you hate women. Yeah. That is somehow less gay yeah. than Sean Mendes, who's in a monogamous relationship for multiple <laughs> years with one woman. Yeah. Like, to me, oh, that's God. so, it's like yeah bro like the way that gay men are plausible it's just it's not the same in mm. the way that gay women but i also think even on an interpersonal or on like you know not taylor swift level of visibility <laughs> yeah like even for myself people assume me to probably just be like a bitter straight woman which right. is like what i was assumed to be for most like childhood yeah, like yeah, i've yeah. never shown any interest in in guys and in high school <laughs> i was just like a like a man hating bisexual or right. before <laughs> And then it's still to come out as lesbian. And, like, now, moving day to day, especially as a femme, mm-hmm. like, people don't really clock me as gay, even though the outfits that I wear are not ones that look like someone is trying to be attractive <laughs> to men. Especially as, like, a, you know, quote-unquote young woman in her 20s, yeah. you know, which is, like, supposed to be the, the prime time. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> the there's nothing man. here. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm I'm not giving that, but I'm still like yeah. really unclockable. Like unless you like mm-hmm. overhear me talking about it or something or you know mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like I think that's also funny. It's just like gay men even like a gay man walks into the room, you know who's gay. Yeah. Like, you know who's yeah. gay. When it comes to women, like you can go through most of school, life, mm-hmm. grocery shopping, you know, mm-hmm. unless you know yeah. like in terms of other things like 
and that's very why, gay. and that's like, why, very very gay. Just, I think I it is it is praxis, it is activism, it is amazing and awesome and and awesome when you we just call random women gay, like just yeah, because <laughs> because I, I think yeah. like we need to normalize clocking people who are clockable in like a public manner because to me like yes. for me when I see how women around me act, I'm like it's giving homosexuality, like it's not, but like it's not bullying, <laughs> it's an observation. Right. But, like, to I saw. So like people who are not like looking at the world in this like lesbian lens mm-hmm. like you're not gonna it's not the same thing as sean mendes walks into a room and you're like well yeah that's a gay man it's more of like you see some girl hiking with her boyfriend and you're like are you sure gay. are you sure you are not gay like like you go up to the girls on the, oh. on the lacrosse team and you're like um so like the one uh, the one girl i'm not i'm not gonna out her on the pod like this <laughs> but the one girl that i always send screenshots of her instagram <laughs> into the group chat that we're in because she always posts pretty ass pictures with her best quote-unquote her yeah. best friend yeah and her, the best friend in question fucking bent over ass on her imaginary fucking young ma-esque dick like fucking all of those pictures like titties out titties touching on the instagram every other week but i would be the bad guy if i said y'all dating bro like no you're so right for that because honestly i've been working with the courage because every post even in every post every instagram story i'm like y'all going on coffee dates y'all are celebrating six months together about a u-haul across to Oregon, like y'all about to U-Haul up to Oregon and adopt a cat, a three-legged cat right now, but I'm the bad guy for asking if you're gay. Is honestly, it makes me sick. It yeah. makes me sick. Yeah. And it's like if yeah. two dudes acted like that around each other, even if they vehemently gay. said, "I am straight," gay. everyone would be like, "It's giving homosexual." Like they couldn't eat. They like because even in my very gay friend groups, it's very funny to see who gets like jokingly shipped together. <laughs> Like, yeah. who gets me, who, who is told, like, oh, you guys are fucking, even though one of them is, like, not attracted to that gender. You know what I mean? Like, I think, like, mm-hmm. I always, I always think it's funny to see this, these dynamics play out because on an interpersonal level, like, the way our social relations are so deeply impacted in the, in that, in that way that, you know, what Henry's talking about here, where it's like people get so defensive if you mm-hmm. talk about how people who are performing queerness feel hollow. But and that's the thing, like, as queer people, like, you we... can joke about two guys being together, like, you <laughs> on the staff. Uh-huh. On my staff of 20 people, since the first day we met together, we're like, you two are fucking. Yeah. You two are boyfriends. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's running. Yeah. Like, they are each other's boyfriends. Like, yeah. it's not even a joke at the point. It's like, it's a fact. Like, we assigned it to yeah. them. There is... Literally. <laughs> there is no, like, staff-wide joke about any two girls. Like, yeah. it's not a joke. Exactly. If you say the two girls are dating, <laughs> you about to start some messy yeah. shit. You only say that if you want problems, if you want tears. If you want heartbreak, like, you do not fuck around with Sarah Jones. Literally. Guys fucking is guys fucking. Like, guys yeah. fuck, whatever. <laughs> Girls, you can't do that shit. Yeah. Even though, like, between me and my other lesbian bestie on staff, we have a joke that another staff member is a lesbian. Yeah. But, and we have jokes that she fucks her friend, yeah. which, like, we do talk, joke about alcohol. Yeah. But first of all, that's an outside group. Yeah. And that's not staff-wide. In exactly. The, the two guys exactly. fucking not fucking on yeah. staff. Yeah. Like, everyone knows that. Like, it's not a secret. 
Like, you see them together, you're like, have you seen your boyfriend recently? They're like, yeah, I saw him yesterday. Yeah. Like, that's just how it is. But the girls, like, we don't yeah, do that. Yeah. We don't do yeah. Even though we have sapphics. Like, we have more sapphics. We have yeah. zero gay guys on staff. Uh-huh. And we have, like, so many sapphics. Yeah. All of the jokes about inner staff dating are yeah. about the guys having Yeah, <laughs> literally. It's always like, it's like just that. how it is. It's always like that. Because the is. comedic effect is, I think, inherent to men being funny little guys like like little that's mm-hmm. also why i love reading my my gay romances because y'all are just some funny little funny little dudes i don't think like i don't mm-hmm. think of you guys as people in the way that i think of women as people <laughs> same same <laughs> like, it's really, very reverse yes <laughs> no like i really don't because like that's a, in, in real life i am I, in real life i'm not really interacting with a lot of like gay men i'm interacting with a lot of sapphics which makes me mm-hmm. be so much more hypercritical of like media about sapphics which is why i like it when it's more subliminal in my texts and stuff because it feels more real to my life whereas i don't ever see gay men interact with each other like i'm just not in and that's the other thing gay men rarely are in friend groups that are predominantly gay men like but gay women are constantly in friend groups that are predominantly gay women and that's like that theory of homosociality like the kind of queerness of being in groups of your same gender and it's like if for men it's like you, you, it's it's so sexual or it's not and like if it's not then you have to be really yeah. aggressively anti-sexual versus like it's just like and i think for gay men but it's, also mm-hmm. like for oh well i was gonna say for gay men being in a friend group is predominantly gay men it's still being in a friend group with men mm-hmm. whereas like if you're a gay man you already know that you deviate from what is expected of you as a man mm-hmm. that's that even if like you bump into a homophobic woman mm-hmm. like the risk of, like, as a gay man, mm-hmm. of, like, do I go with the man or do I go with the woman? Or yeah. Where I'm going to be yeah. safer? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be with right. the woman. Yeah. So, like... Because women don't the... act out gendered violence in the way that men do. And, like, so... Yeah. But if you're a lesbian or a sapphic and you hang out with women, part of that is that women hang out with women. Mm-hmm. Like, in general, straight mm-hmm. women have a lot of friend groups that are predominantly mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And then if you're gay, then you're also gay. Like, mm-hmm. it, it it layers mm-hmm. onto it even yeah. more. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine a friend group of, like, all dudes and, like, one or two of them being gay and everyone just being, like, chill mm-hmm. with it. I haven't seen that with my mm-hmm. own eyes. I've always seen it where, like, everyone knows that this one person is closeted or everyone has girlfriends. And so that doesn't really mean anything, but you know what I mean? Like, or they're all, like, mm-hmm. aggressively misogynistic dude bros or it's a mix of that type of thing. Whereas with women, and yeah. with like queer friend groups that I've noticed it's like everyone knows that everyone else is gay like and that's just that's just how it is you know and then the few people who are outliers of that like that's that's that but I think like back to this whole thing about you know things that feel hollow and lacking authenticity I think that for me like when I'm looking at media sometimes I don't want it to really connect with me in the way that in, in a way, in, in a certain particular way, you know what I mean? Like, I sometimes don't want media mm-hmm. to be directly reflective of my identity and my exact experience. I like it to be something that makes me reflect and think about the ways that it's similar and parallel. I don't need it to be a direct representation of my own life, obviously, right? Like, that's not why we consume media. As a queer person and as a queer people, like, it's really, really clear to me at least, when the vibes are, well, A, when the vibes are gay, but also when the vibes are giving, like, fake gay, like, corporate gay, like, not, like, not legitimate. Exactly. Like, I can all, you just know the vibes. And I think that is really the difference between the Shawn Mendes's of the world 
and the Taylor Swift of the world and the fucking like, you know, girl in reds and like Harry Styles, you know, like some people mm-hmm. are really obvious and upfront, but in that way also somewhat shallow and in other way, and for other people are very tight lipped regarding their actual identity, but their work speaks for itself and who they are and like how they move through the world is itself the definitive proof. Like you don't have to say that shit, you know? So that was such a good emo though, Henry, like 10 out of 10. Yes. Great conversation topic. Yes. Um, Wonderful. You know, <laughs> we went in so many directions with that, but yeah, yeah, but it was good. It, it was, was great. Good. It was good. So and the last, <laughs> the last hot take yes. submission email we're going to be looking at, it will kind of transition us into our next period, our next, our next era of us going over our past eras and it's because it's talking about my hashtag cancellation um so <laughs> so cole the says violent cancellation. <laughs> cole says hey i am a gay college student who grew up in the south and i just want to say i really enjoy your content and discourse <laughs> i follow at a book we order. didn't start this with this <laughs> And then he says, um, I follow at Book Hoarder on TikTok. That's me. And absolutely (laughs) eat up the videos and the controversy you stir up. (laughs) You make people uncomfortable and face fallacies in their logic, especially relating to quote unquote biphobia. One thing I wanted to comment but haven't been able to is whenever bisexual people are in heterosexual relationships, there's literally no difference between them and heterosexuals. Most of the responses to this are usually very angry, and they say that they can still be discriminated against for being a queer-presenting individual. And that's where I have a huge, a huge issue. Being queer-presenting literally means nothing. Many straight men exactly in particular... Cool. And see, that's what we're talking about. Some people are just clockable right off the bat, and you're going to face homophobia mm-hmm. for just being clockable. But, mm-hmm. like... If you're a Shawn Mendes of the world, but like, but being queer presenting when you're just, when you're just in, uh, anyway, anyway, what are you going to say? Just because you cuff your jeans. Yes. Literally. Literally. Just because you have a clear iPhone case. You're not going to be hate crime. No one is going to clock your, your colored iPhone with the clear iPhone case and a Polaroid in it and be like, I'm about to be homophobic right Mm -hmm. now. That's not... You can be mid-December and order an iced coffee, and you're not going to get a homophobic mm-hmm. hate crime. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. this is not what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I think we need to take the whole presenting, passing, like, white passing, queer Queer passing. <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> needs to go out, out the window. Because, Cut listen, you are not, you are what you are perceived as and you are what you are that's the thing you are what you are that is how it works like that that is how it works it's like i've been fighting if you're navigating the world as a heterosexual Mm -hmm. in a heterosexual relationship you why do you feel like you have a claim on the queer community when the queer community exists to defend people who are in same-sex relationships who face homophobia for the relationships and the way that they present like you know what i mean like who face transphobia like that's the reason why the Mm -hmm. quote-unquote queer community exists it's because homophobia exists and if you're not gonna face homophobia for your fucking relationship or your fucking identity then why the fuck are you here Anyway, the, ne- <laughs> the next paragraph, Cole says, <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
Many straight men in particular, especially now, have started painting their nails and exploring their femininity, things that would traditionally only be explored by queer men. So by their definition, these straight men... And it needs men- to stay that way. It should have stayed that way. They keep the nail polish immediately. God. Immediately. So by their definition, these straight men are also queer presenting, but that doesn't mean they're being systemically discriminated against for being gay. Because they're not mm-hmm. gay. They will never be sent to conversion therapy or suffer the religious trauma so many queer boys have to go through in the South. And if a bisexual person is in a heterosexual relationship, they also do not dis- experience that discrimination, no matter how quote-unquote queer presenting you are. Anyway, I just wanted to put my two cents out there and say how much I appreciate your contributions to LGBT plus discourse. If you want to reach out to me, my Insta is at Cole, C-O-L-E-K-A-R-I-H-E-R. So thank you so much, Cole. I appreciate this. <laughs> I love this. I love this email. <laughs> and like, see, this is the thing. I grew up in North Carolina and I'm from Missouri. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know, I know what the South is like, bro. Like, <laughs> I've been around here. I have been around these parts. It's true. And this is the thing. All my queer friends that I know, and myself included, who've experienced like this this traumatic effect of like, you know, existing in a really socially regressive and repressive like culture along religious lines is that for us growing up like knowing that we were queer is like one thing but being perceived as it is a whole other thing and i think that Mm -hmm. for some people because they know that they're queer and they're seeking out like recognition of it they they then try to act it out in ways that are fundamentally Mm, shallow and performative and it's about raving waving the rainbow flag and wear and being a harry styles-esque type person it's not just the fact that you're not it's not just the vibes like with sean mendez it's not just the art like with taylor swift it's not just like it's not the actual stuff that makes you gay right like what you do and what you Mm -hmm. make and who you are it's like what you buy what you consume what you choose to present as for many people for butch women and very effeminate gay men for clockable gay people for clockable trans people like you can't exist in a world without people looking at you and thinking you're queer and for those of us who don't experience that whether that be you being a bisexual person in a straight relationship or being quote unquote straight passing or being a femme or being what like or being a super i don't know like like masculine presenting like unclockable gay person or dude or whatever regardless of these positions that you're in you're not going to face the interpersonal structural homophobia and transphobia that defines our experiences and marks our identities the other thing Mm -hmm. is that people who get hate crimed and for being gay in public for lesbians being out in public and stuff like it, it, it's the act of being gay in public. It's the act of the, like that, and I, I think like that's the other thing in my in my silly little romance novels and stuff about gay relationships. Like when you have to look over your shoulder and make sure no one's around, or you have to be in an alleyway or behind a tree or out in the middle of nowhere. It's like that is what we're talking about when we're when we're looking at how homophobia <laughs> affects our relationships to each other in society. Mm-hmm. It's when you when you have to hide. Not when you are choosing to present yourself in a particular way or to be seen as gay. Like people don't choose to be seen as gay. People just are gay, and other people's pick up, and other people can pick up on that or not. Like ugh, it's just it's so frustrating. Anyway, and it just it bothers me because the only people that are begging to be queer presenting are the people that are already in safe spaces, or are people who yeah. are in spaces where they think the chance of them actually facing real violence and i mean getting the shit kicked out of you if not straight up killed on the street mm-hmm. 
No one is begging to be clocked as gay when you're in those environments. Mm-hmm. Even for, like, say if Shawn Mendes wasn't Shawn Mendes, as in, like, rich and full of social clout, like, mm-hmm. people that are just clockable on site, mm-hmm. date women, do, uh, do whatever in their power to not be seen as clockable as a way to avoid getting hate crime, as a way yeah. to avoid yeah. violence. Yeah. And same for lesbians in... Yeah. And trans people in yeah. places where it is not safe to just simply exist in public. Mm-hmm. You're not facing violence because you are choosing to present in a certain way or because of your fashion choices or accessories or what, you know, the media that you consume. It's simply once you have been clocked as gay, mm-hmm. the act of being gay and mm-hmm. alive is what is what people face violence for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this whole thing about how, oh, bisexual people in heterosexual relationships are queer presenting or can still face discrimination, by who and for what? <laughs> like, to, for being a to, little too quirky. For being, <laughs> yeah, for being like, white to the picture of who I, like, no one is going to see, a, like, a, a cis woman mm-hmm. holding her cis boyfriend's hand in the street mm-hmm. and having cuffed jeans and an iced coffee and think, <laughs> I'm about to do a homophobic yeah, hate crime. Yeah, And there's because a reason why so much history of, so, so much queer history is about, like, lesbians, lesbian couples having that having a butch femme relationship and identity and subculture and community yeah. ha- passing as men pa- dressing like cross dressing and stuff like it was so important yeah it's just for your physical safety it's just in order to exist as a gay person in a society that hates gay people like you like this is, there and that's why the history like in the relationship between trans men and butch women is like mm-hmm. so intertwined in a way that i think has really been erased mm-hmm. and muddled and mm-hmm. confused yeah. in probably the past 20 25 years or so now thank thank because, you queer theorist postmodernist <laughs> queer theorist. yeah anyway yeah. because like there's so many butch lesbians and masked lesbians mm-hmm. who lived their life as a man mm-hmm. in order for their say it, it was like easier and safer to be seen as kind of yeah. like a shorter man right, right, than it right. was to be seen as a butch masculine lesbian, you know, yeah. whether non-binary or still yeah. identifying as a woman or not. Yeah. And being able to love and have a relationship as a man than it yeah. was to be in a quote-unquote yeah. lesbian relationship. Yeah. And that's why I think, and, like, trans feminine identity is so specifically mm-hmm. oppressed because for women mm-hmm. who are assimilating into or being perceived as men, you're doing that in order to... Mm-hmm grasp some level of social power and be safe but when men are transitioning into the social category of woman like that you reduce your safety by so many levels because being a woman is just so dangerous right so like that's that's why like when when you talk about trans misogyny as like that is a specific and unique sort of oppression that people are going to face due to the fact that we live in a patriarchal society it's a downgrade if you're if you're mm-hmm. if you're a woman but you're initially a man it, it, but for for some women it is safety to be perceived as a man right like and that's yeah. the thing you're if we're talking about queerness and perception because the large majority of the community is bisexual and thus a large majority of the community can be seen as straight and can be safe like why are you here what is your purpose in being in this space and trying to assert yourself in these spaces and trying to mm-hmm. 
and, tr- and trying to act as if other people who are lo- giving you the side eye are being problematic or quote unquote biphobic or whatever. Why are you acting like this? Because y'all are acting like this is some exclusive club that you can get into by having a gay card when really this is a liberatory group that is trying to demand rights and recognition and liberation for people who have historically been oppressed by gendered patriarchy, by cis-heteropatriarchy, which you are not facing any oppression for in the way that you live your life right now. So really, really, why are you here? What the, What is the purpose? What is the purpose of trying to demand inclusion and act like gay people and trans people who don't want you around because because you bring your, your ugly ass boyfriend or because like you're not really interested in the struggle, you're interested in the in the fun part of community, like, why are you so offended? Take some self-reflection. Take some, like, and this is the other thing. It's, I feel like- the- We need to stop making pride fun. <laughs> yeah. I think when yeah. bisexual people and heterosexual yeah. relationships- Make pride seeing- about killing cops again. Like, <laughs> yes. like, like make, dead ass. Like, there's the whole, like, pride is a protest, da, da, da. But that, mm. that it, within itself has been so- liberalized yeah, yeah but like literally make pride about fucking fighting yeah burn shit yeah, yeah. like like fight people mm-hmm. in the streets people who want mm-hmm. to enact violence mm-hmm. learn retaliation <laughs> if right. you have nothing to retaliate against and that you and your partner are both cis of opposite gender and in a heterosexual uh relationship and you have nothing to retaliate against then why are you in a space that is defined by its retaliatory in nature? Yeah, yeah. It's not making sense, It's not making sense. And so when I think gayness became about fun and the music and, you know, just the fashion. Like, y'all, not this culture the only exists history. because people needed mm-hmm. to cultivate spaces away from the dominant oppressive culture. Yeah. This shit, the music that you like, the, the fucking fashion and dress and slang and whatever that you that you think is unique to the queer community and is comes from the queer community, it's because people are marginalized and have to create communities and spaces and ways of speaking and ways of acting in a way that makes safe safety for each other. But you don't even need to access that safety, do you? Because you're not facing the oppression that created the, the need for the space in the first place. So what the fuck are you doing? Genuinely, what the fuck are you doing? <sighs> anyway. Straight men who are now, quote unquote, exploring their femininity. First of all, I have yet to see a straight man look good, hot, flying, sexy, doing any of this shit, <laughs> you're not exploring shit. Because femininity, Ooh. you have to have a level of drip. You have to yeah. have a level of swagger. I haven't seen a straight man possess that. Frankly, no Therefore, one's been meeting those standards. So Yeah. Sorry. So I'm not going to give them credit where, frankly, I don't see any credit, credit not due. being due. It's you know? just not. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get that straight. But on top of that is like, this is the thing with presenting and also why people should either go and watch Passing or go and listen to our episode on Passing mm-hmm. is that the bar is always shifting. So back mm-hmm. then, if you had a grandparent who was black, mm-hmm. even if you were white, you were still black. Mm-hmm. Now, in about it don't matter. a couple of hours, both, be both your parents could be black. And if you look white, you're still white. <laughs> like, you're you still know? white. It doesn't matter. 
So now, be like, that is a bar that has moons. Yeah. Before, yeah. if you were a man and you painted your nails, that could have been a clockable action. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. now, because the only you have who busted even ass think? unclean <laughs> you be nails, who would even like, think to get their nails done, mm-hmm. who were men, we're going to be queer anyways. But now, y'all get this option. And wealthy, people who don't work, obviously. Right. <laughs> but now that it's, you know, accessible, anyone can pop in you know and pick up a little three dollar nail polish and put it on but somehow not figure to clean up the hangnails that are coming off their <laughs> like you know if they're if if they want to do that they can do that right yeah. but that's uh, now that is no longer a clockable thing mm-hmm. right not mm-hmm. in the way like for <laughs> not to uh, this episode is going to be titled Sean from this game for two hours <laughs> but like Sean Mendes he can paint his nails or not. That man is like, that is a homosexual man. Like, I don't, like that's just is what it is. That's fuck. the whole thing about, like, this presenting or not presenting is, like, the gay presenting, that's in your bones. Yeah. Like, it's something that you, you can You know it when you see it. Clock, like... <laughs> and, and it's because patriarchy is so rigid. And, yeah. so, and because it's so ingrained in, in people, even before they're born, like, like yeah. gender reveals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, before you are even birds you like the patriarchy and its rules and its rigidity are being drilled into you your entire life which is why even whether it's homophobic or a gay person trying to find other gay people or everyone in between you can clock who you can clock and the people that you can't you can't and it doesn't really matter especially if you're a man because you've seen as a person first and then a man like sure maybe clocking is going to be easier because like you have to uphold the standards of what it is to be a man. Woman, we're allowed to frolic, not frolic. <laughs> like, wear skirts, not wear skirts, whatever. You know? But it's like, if you're going to be an it girl, you have to be an it girl. And there's just no way of faking that. Right, right, right. Like, there's just no way of faking mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why also when we were talking earlier about sapphics who have predominantly sapphic friendships... It's like the people who need to clock other people can clock them mm-hmm. when we need to, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, yeah, that's why, you know, Harry Styles can wear his little dresses mm-hmm. and do whatever and men can paint their nails and wear their little necklaces and da 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 and Shawn Mendes will still be gay. Like, it, just, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't yeah, literally. matter. Literally. No, and I think, like, when I'm conversing with someone and, and, and when I meet new people and stuff, and if I tell them I'm a lesbian, no one no one acts shocked or surprised, right? Like, no, no, no. one's like, no fucking it's- way, bro. Like, no one is like, no, you? No. What do you mean, right? Like, no one is like that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, when I'm walking down the street, no one is going to be like, that's a lesbian. Like, you, it's just not. Yeah. And that's, and that's the other thing. When I'm interacting with another person that I'm like, you're definitely sad. I think you're, it's giving lesbian, it's giving bisexual. Very rarely can can I accurately be like, oh, you're bi or you're you're a lesbian. Like I I I don't know. Like you kind of have to tell me, you know, because I know a lot of butch people who, to me, are like, oh, you're a lesbian, and then they'll be like, no, I'm bi, and I'm like, right, 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 right. noting that. Like <laughs> sometimes, like mm-hmm. it's just it's just weird because at this point, I just straight up ask people, are you attracted to men or not? Because the whole lesbian, <laughs> right. because there are so many people who are like, 
either have are still on their journey right yeah. like if you asked me in my bi era i would have said i'm bi but if you asked me if i was attracted to men i would have said no so that's a different question like it's the level of centering of men that it, i need to get down to the business mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Um, and you know for my friends who i'm like who yeah. are like yeah i'm bisexual like yeah like men i'm like okay yeah that's you for women at least as someone who like you know is around women is, is with women all the time mm-hmm. like like i think that the distinction between someone who is like immediately clockwork is gay versus like when you get to know someone and you're like, mm, are you a lesbian? Or are you bi? For men, like I think for when I'm hanging out with with my friends, with my dude friends who are bi or who are gay or who are straight, to me I'm like it's so obvious that you're bi. It's so obvious that you're gay. It's so obvious that you're straight. Like you are performing your sexuality in a way that is so innate, inherent. And I think that's the other thing. Men don't have to perform gender in the way that women do. Women learn gender. Women learn how to act their gender. And so then you also learn how to oppose it also. Or or you you get socialized in a way so that growing up as a quote-unquote tomboy, people will socialize you out of that or will clock you as gay because of something that you have no clue about. Like, you don't know what was making you look so gay or whatever or act so gay that everyone thinks you are. So, like, it's, it's the scenarios where for women, I think it's just a lot more complex that, that, that socialization of, like, girlhood that makes it so that for me, it's so, as a lesbian, as someone who has been bi, as someone who hangs out with bi women and lesbians all the fucking time, it's, it's still hard for me to, to, to make that distinction when I just look at people to be like, do you identify as straight, bi, or gay? I mean, sometimes I'll come to a conclusion myself that they probably would not agree with. Or like, you know, <laughs> but I think, that, I think that for them, like, mm-hmm. like, that is way more, I'm way more likely, I think, to come to a conclusion that is kind of on the mark uh with with like men and like queer men than i am with women and i think that's also Mm -hmm. true for queer men queer men are way more likely to clock other queer men than queer women right like one thing that i was gonna say is also referencing to the staff that i like work and live Uh with you know and there's like a a number of of sapphics okay well okay there's a number of us that are out sapphics then us of the out people we have assigned whatever sapphic relationship we think all the other women on staff are. So we're clocking people that aren't even telling time. <laughs> like, we, it's, it's, you know, we yeah. are signing them there. their sapphic relationship. Yeah. All throughout high school, I was looking at the student athletes being like, fruity. Fruity! Exactly. And sometimes I was right. And now what? Like, who's laughing now? Well, for us who are out, when, you know, when we all, like, met each other on, like, that first day, like, we're learning names here, people, like, Mm -hmm. nothing like that. And, you know, now we've been friends for a couple of months now. Like, one of the conversations we had is, like, basically, did you clock me? Like, did you know? And there's um, (laughs) one of our coworkers, some of us were, like, girl, it's not even a question. (laughs) I was one of them. No one didn't, like, multiple people when I asked, I was, like, did you think I was gay? And they're, like, yeah. Um, but there's one person on staff uh who you know i adore and she's bi but like when we're all talking about it we're like we all knew that you were bi we just we couldn't tell if you knew that you were bi (laughs) like it was one of those ones where it was so innate and like so clear 
yeah. that she is bisexual, but it wasn't clear if she knew that she was because there, the level of like active performance was way down, but the level of innate by vibes way up <laughs> so it was oh. like you don't even know that you're giving this vibe and how strong uh-huh. it's coming off and it just is but me and the other lesbian staff both of us everyone said that they got it immediately that's there hilarious. was not <laughs> not no, a question no about it no yeah no that's question, well see this so. is the other thing i think that with women women and staffies are way more likely i think to kind of take a long time to question their sexuality and come i mean us included right you we have to think mm-hmm. about it for a while and then come to a conclusion later and i think that's that's what we're talking about regarding like compulsory heterosexuality and stuff men are not really facing that so because it's like a process for a lot of like gay women like you kind of have to discover like you discover yourself because of the nature of compulsory heterosexuality whereas with queer men it's like at a very young age you end up being clockable because the, the standards for manhood and normativity for men is like so much more rigid than for women, you know? The expectations are just so different and it, they're so particular. Whereas with women, there's also these particular expectations, but the ways that you deviate from them like in a queer way isn't always so, it's just like, oh, you're just gal pals, right? Like, whereas mm-hmm. with men, without, with young boys, it's like the insinuation that they could be gay is right off the bat, like you need to shut that down real quick. So yeah, I think like the just the nature of compulsory heterosexuality also makes it so that when you're in a when you're in a room full of sapphics, like a lot of people are still figuring it out, trying to navigate compulsory heterosexuality, trying to navigate, you know, going through living as someone who is oppressed by patriarchy in a patriarchal society that men and queer men don't really have to deal with and i think like for men who for men who've come to a a realization that they are gay and accepting themselves as gay later in their lives i think they are different from i think the way that that women are able to do that in that for people for a man who has thought his whole life that he's just cishet to come to the conclusion that wait i'm not like that that lowers you down on so many scales in the world uh, in the hierarchy mm-hmm. of how the world operates but also like you have the choice of being able to hold on to the power that you have you know i'm sure there's many very very evil powerful ceo rich billionaire men who are closeted but that doesn't that doesn't affect the way that they live you know whereas with women mm-hmm. i think that it's just harder because when you're moving through the world as a woman you're moving through the world as a woman and then when you unpack and, and start to understand yourself as a woman and your relationship to other women like in a deeper more meaningful way and like understand that there are facets to it that you haven't previously like really thought about because it's not never been presented as an option it like you kind of have to really restructure the way that you interact with the world because men are so central to how the world operates and for men to come to that conclusion like you're you're already a man you know like with women it's like you're you're just not yeah. so what are you gonna but great, great emails. With that, we should get into our review for the podcast. Should we go over our stats before we get into all the fun stuff? Or do you want yeah, to sure. go? Our very first episode was the Taylor Swift is Gay and the Shiva Baby one. And that was on April 17th of this year. Woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's so funny that... Uh, the first hot take was even asking if Taylor Swift is gay or not, or if she's uh-huh. queer baiting. That's what uh-huh. it was. Uh-huh. But like now, it's like not even a question. Like yeah. we start the podcast <laughs> with saying that Taylor Swift is gay. Like we're yeah. so far past that. Yeah. Think <laughs> like that was our first episode, you know? Yeah. 
I'm glad Shiva Baby was the first piece of media that we really discussed because Same. it's so foundational to like the conversations that we have about like community and like queerness of girlhood and coming of age and mm-hmm. all these like that, that humor, that uncomfortableness and the contemporary realism and like and yeah. like womanhood as portrayed through media. Like I think it's a it's a really good place the, to start. The sapphic director, yeah. sapphic uh like writer, author, yeah, yeah, yeah. slay, mm-hmm. the indie slay the indie of slay. it as well. Independent <laughs> film. Yeah. Diana Agron is yeah. in <laughs> Literally. It's so no like our first episode. I feel like is such a good first episode. Yeah, and we literally we'll, we'll like the later. way that we first was an Instagram live, and I mm-hmm. like recorded it on it like on an external mic and like just from my end. So Renaissance's audio is like coming through the my the phone of my audio. Anyway, it was a whole it was a whole situation. So mm-hmm. for people who've been with us since the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the people who've been with us in SoundCloud. No, literally. Y'all are the real literally. ones. Y'all are the real <laughs> ones. But I think it's so funny because, like, the, I mean, not that our technology has improved that much, <laughs> but how technically bad the first episode is, I think the content of our first episode, like, we've so been on it. Yeah. Like, we've been <laughs> it. Like, we've been the moment. Uh-huh. But anyways. So our first streams in 71 new countries. 71 wow. countries people listen to us. <laughs> Isn't that wild to think about, yeah, though? Yeah. So the places that we love the most, the United States, Prague, yeah. um, the UK, Canada, English-speaking countries, yeah. and then Germany uh-huh. and Australia. Uh-huh. We had over a thousand fans listen to us more than any other podcast on Y'all Spotify. Spotify oh, app. also we're looking at our own Spotify wraps, like for the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking. We're looking at our Spotify wrap for podcasters. Yeah. we That's also one thousand one hundred. Yeah, we also posted some of the screenshots on our Instagram. Follow us at the Lavender Pod on Instagram. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like old news, but like we're just going through the stats for y'all's sake. You know, because we love you. Yeah. Because it's fun. And mm-hmm. a little celebration moment. Mm-hmm. 37 fans spent their birthdays listening to us. Aww. Which, like, wild. <laughs> Happy birthday to all the people who did that. Right. 188 of our fans listened to most of our episodes. Nice. Which I don't think is medically sound. Yeah. Again, I want to say, I'm not sure for your health that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. 36% of our fans listened to us between 11 a.m. and 15. And 5 p.m., making it the most popular time. So it's, like, most of the day. So, mm. slay. Yeah. But who, who... That's only 39%. That's the mean most of us. Y'all... Are we the last voices that some of y'all hear before you go to sleep? <laughs> that does not sound good. That's how you got sleep paralysis. That's how you got you sleep, sleep paralysis. paralysis demons. Sunny and I are your sleep paralysis demons. You are frozen on your bed and you just hear bickering, talking over each other against your will. Like, that does not sound safe. God. For the time of the Spotify Wrapped, we released almost 2,000 minutes of content across only 21 episodes. <laughs> We truly are menaces. Just yeah. the lavender menace emphasis on menace. Literally. <laughs> we have Ooh. over fifteen thousand followers. Almost fifteen point five. Oh my god! Thousand followers. <laughs> uh, over nineteen thousand listeners. Over forty-one thousand streams and fifty-nine thousand starts. 
Wow, guys, that shit is crazy. Oh, also, so, like literally zero, zero, zero. <laughs> like, what? How many people do you think were on our live for the first time? Like episode? maybe like, ten. It's mainly your mutual. Yeah, I was gonna say like maybe ten mutual. Yeah. Who kind of care about either of yeah. us yeah. for the first episode? Uh-huh. To now over fifteen thousand mm-hmm. followers on Spotify. On um, just Spotify. Yeah. I mean, we got hated we got on hated Apple on Podcasts. On, uh, whatever. Podcasts, but it's whatevs. But oh, also I think on Spotify. Spotify is where all the besties it's are. It's true. At anyway. With Spotify podcasts, I think now they have a new th- system where you can like submit ratings for the podcast. I noticed. Oh, so slay. y'all should give us your five stars. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know how it's going to affect the algorithm or whatever, like how Spotify even works in terms of promoting podcast material. But yeah, I mean, also because we started this, we obviously we, we made the live in like mid-April and put it up like within the next day or so. I think like the next day because it's literally just uploading the, the, the ju- yeah, literally live. just it was, that. It was God. not like you just had to put no it editing, on your laptop, nothing. <laughs> like yeah, oh. like it wasn't. It's not yeah giving. Like we're giving, yeah. but the audio is not giving anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like and we then, didn't do anything. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, it's funny to think about because at that point, this is only in like April, and and we made. When did we make our Twitter account? Let me go look. Because we have, like, over 900 followers on Twitter now, which is also funny. Yeah. Because we had zero, right? Like, pretty recently, (laughs) considering we just, I mean. Our Twitter grew so quickly, like, crazy fast. We are at almost 1,000. We're at 976 followers, and we made it May of 2021. So, like, about a month. After we, like, hit the one-month mark, we're yeah. like, okay, maybe we'll make a Twitter yeah. for this. Yeah, Because I think we also, I mean, we still tweet about the podcast a lot on our personal accounts. Right, right, right. But, like, we were essentially promoting and, and doing, like, podcast tweets on our personal. Right, right. So then we're like, we should just Might make as a well. yeah. Twitter account. And then after the Twitter yeah. account, we were just kind of like, after a couple months, we were like, well... We gotta make others. <laughs> we gotta make our other social yeah. media platforms. And then it kept growing, and like more of y'all were reaching out to us. Yeah. It was like, well, yeah, <laughs> now yeah. it's like a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think because it's interesting that the majority of our like the people who interact with us on social media tend to be a lot of people DM us on Instagram and like love to interact with y'all this yeah. that way. And also, people seem to also like interact with us and follow us and like our tweets and shit on Twitter. And that seems to be the primary way that people are sort of interacting with us. And it's like all like in the community right it's all people who like actively listen or are our friends or you know both or whatever who you know are are tapped into those spaces those digital spaces which is just it's just fun and it's nice and it's also like it's it's like a small percentage of 10 percent or less of the people who follow us on spotify and it's like an even smaller percentage of the people who like actively listen to us so the majority of people who the majority of y'all who listen to us we never like interact with and it's just like a fully parasocial thing where you just entirely listen to us you don't talk to us or anything and that's just yeah. very interesting to think about because we view this uh we the podcast is very much about like discourse with y'all and like it's a conversation with you guys actively in it from the hot take stuff to the way that we interact with you on social media as much as possible and that for and also social media in general internet culture really informs the way that we talk about stuff like so i just think it's really interesting to be on the receiving end and like not have and not have emailed us at one point or like or like you know hit us up on any mm-hmm. social media platforms like 
That's that's really interesting to me. Like, I wonder how, I wonder what y'all are like because I know I know what the people who like contact us are like, but I, I wonder I know. what what, what does a what does a casual like, listener look like? <laughs> yeah, because there's one. I mean, I'm sure she wouldn't mind getting a shout out. I think Maddie is Maddie. Oh, Maddie's name? a bestie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Maddie, Maddie, a bestie, but like a bestie of the pod as well. Like mm-hmm. I, I love getting a little Maddie notification. Yes, um, yes. She literally messaged me like I mean, last night about some books and stuff that I recommended. That like listener versus apparently like the over ten thousand, yeah. like well over ten thousand yeah. people who don't who just. Yeah. You just tune in. Yeah. Plug their little yeah. play button and then keep it pushing. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Because I mean, also- our stats for our individual episodes are also wild because, you know, every mm-hmm. week, within the week of us post of us posting an episode, we'll get between 100 to 1,000 listens. And then at the following month or week after, we'll get 2,000, 3,000 or whatever listens to an episode. And it's just like... <laughs> That shit is so funny to me. I mean, yeah. it's really sweet, but it's just so like, like wow, our insanity really reaches this. Because I swear, when we started this in April, we were literally like, every day we would just talk for hours, and we were like, oh, okay, everyone needs to be subject to this because we're just fucking geniuses. Like, we. we- <laughs> That's the other thing is that we had been having like this, these types of conversations, right. these Zoom calls, and yeah. Fact. For like, well, that was in April, and we started like December, timing or zooming November? every day in December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was painting the paintings for Christmas gifts, yeah, so yeah, cool. yeah. it was the December before uh-huh. Christmas is when we started talking. So we had been talking pretty consistently for yeah. hours and for yeah, every yeah, single yeah. day for about four months, and yeah. then like we had maybe been joking of like, oh, like we should make a podcast, yeah, we should make a yeah. podcast, and then I, I thought we were joking about it, we weren't gonna do it, and then the next day you're like, okay, so when are you free to do the Instagram live? <laughs> And then, like, I was like, oh, okay, haha, we did it. Like, I knew that our friends might laugh at our jokes, whatever, talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was fun. Then you uploaded it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's on SoundCloud, whatever, that's cute. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, so next week, what should we talk about for the podcast? And, like, and this whole, like, this whole time, until probably, like, this past summer or something, like, uh-huh. probably around season two, and we we're planning for doing season two. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll talk about this on the next podcast episode. <laughs> like, like, sure, like, sure. Yeah. We have a podcast, I guess. <laughs> but then, and then, like, a couple months in, you, like, sent me when, when we hit, like, a thousand followers or something like that. And I was like, I don't even know a thousand people who want to listen to me talk, let alone follow our podcast. Like, right. it literally is a shock to my system every time I see how many Spotify followers we have, like, Twitter, like, I've been on Twitter for years. I yeah. know how to get Twitter followers. I know how to tweet, you know? Right, right, right. But actually, like, especially with our, like, jank-ass production. <laughs> no, because we were using, like, Anchor initially. Like, and if everyone, if yeah. anyone wants to start a podcast, don't use Anchor because it fucks up your audio. Um, no. and, yeah. Like, and we also rough, lost rough an episode. And I think we talked about this in our first season. Mm-hmm. It was so tragic. It was literally so sad. It but, was so tragic. <laughs> Yeah, no. we had to take off like a day of mourning for that. Like we were so sad. <laughs> it was so bad for us, God. Oh, and I mean, I think like because we were in the thick of the fucking pandemic, you know, early twenty twenty one, April, May, June. Like I- I'm looking back on our first season, and by the way, the structure of podcast so far has been 
like every season is 10 episodes. And previously, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic, we were making an episode a week because we really fucking had nothing else to do. And also we, even if we mm-hmm. weren't doing anything else, we would be talking anyways. So we just yeah. like made the podcast. And like for the hot takes initially, we just kind of bullied our friends into telling us, giving us their opinions. And like, but now oh, like. Actually. Yeah. Hashtag throwback because mm-hmm. our first by, bif- our first biphobia cancellation, which we'll get into. Right. Wasn't even a submitted hot take or anything that had to do with us. It was us observing. Yeah. Like initially yeah. hot takes were about to, we're supposed to be our hot takes about things we saw online. Right. And or send in your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like our listeners have been so insane. Yeah. Like, like, y'all you have, have been, been giving so us the gift insane of insanity that, that we've been able to yeah, just run for with For most the, of them, yeah. y'all are sending us think, I mean, New York <laughs> Times opinion piece essay. You're fucking in inboxes. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a sway every time. Down. Literally, God. That like we haven't made our own hot take. Like it's not mm-hmm. even against our own rules to make mm-hmm. our own hot takes. But every time we're like, oh, we have a DM, we have an email, so, yeah. like a, uh, someone tweeted us about something. Yeah. So that's also why I think it like it's so strange to see how many followers we have versus like actually not that many people email us mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm talking with y'all. All, all the, the time, time but <laughs> right, right, hot right. takes twitter right all that and i mean i think like in april we 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 mid-april there were two april episodes and then one two three four five six six may episodes mm-hmm. so because we had not, we had a bonus episode and then also this was when we had our interview with um miss ellie, ellie eaton, eaton. That, that was, was such a so sweat. cool. I couldn't believe. That was <laughs> the other thing where I was like, Sunny, like, we don't actually have a podcast. We don't actually interview someone. I was like, no, like, we kind of do. Like, we yeah. have the goods to back it up. But at the time, I was like, we cannot just be doing this. Like, we're just, like, that's just called talking to someone. Like, we don't have a podcast. Like, what? Like, this isn't a Ooh. thing. Oh, and I remember, and then, like, because this, the episode. So, I was so, like, I couldn't believe I was doing it. I was so stressed. I was so nervous. I was like, it was like imposter syndrome down. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't. No, and see, the thing is, is that that was what? One, two, three. For, that was only our fourth episode. I mean, we had a bonus yeah. episode right before that, but the 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 or not our fourth one two. No, that three, was our third episode because the bonus episode four. was. Oh no, it's the, our fifth. Our fifth, technically, because there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six in total from the beginning. Whether there's a bonus episode. Uh. uh so okay. it was our fifth. It was our fifth so episode. It was like really early. Really though. early, right? And so, and, and it was right after. I remember this because this was in May. And in, in May, we we had our biphobia discourse. First round, round one. It was right. It was right, right after before the discourse. Yes. I was so nervous. That's also yes. why I was so stressed. Yeah, because I remember we were like calling because I was still fending off the 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 biphobia allegations on TikTok. Which like the first mm-hmm. round was not it that bad. It wasn't on TikTok. It was on Twitter. Yes, yes, this was yes. on Twitter. This was yeah, because I initially yes. made a TikTok. It didn't make that many waves. People, you know, I got a lot. I got likes and stuff, but people weren't really fighting in my comments. But then someone posted it on Twitter, like trying to mm-hmm. fight, and then people started coming at me. So, and that was for like a forty-eight hour cycle, and it was nowhere mm-hmm. near as bad as what <laughs> happened later in the year. But that was sort of what initiated this shit in the first place. And because it was yeah. an early episode, you know, episode like season one, episode five or episode four, our next episode was literally like the next day we had our interview or like conversation with Ellie 
planned. And we were like, ah! <laughs> but we just died yeah. right in and it, and it was wonderful and it was delightful and lovely. And I think, I think the reason why it was even possible for me to do this whole thing with Ellie Eaton is that I had tweeted about how much I love the divines. And also after I finished reading it, I remember like freaking out to Renaissance and like, Tell her about it sounds like the plot. I was on Zoom while you were were listening to it. But the thing is that, one, you listen to it at, like, ten times speed. Like, it's not even saying. You hear the first letter of each word, and you just assume that you know what it is. It's possible that Sunny still hasn't even read the device, how fast that they're listening to that shit. It's possible that that they've been clowning everyone this entire time, just making shit up as they go. But, um... It was like the last ending of the book and if reading the ending like out of context it doesn't mean anything like yeah, i right. wouldn't have been able i wasn't yeah. internalizing it yeah, anyway yeah. but then you were like freaking out so then <laughs> that's when i was like okay fine whatever that's when i'll read it and then i did and of course i loved it and that was like right. one of, that like the divines was one of the first like books like, major principle yes, text yes. <laughs> of the, podcast. the magna carta um, of the yeah. podcast <laughs> The Constitution. That was our first touchdown. Because the Divines even predates Our Love Lasts So Long. Like, everything used to be the Divines Court and Uh Our Love Lasts So Long kind of got folded Mm -hmm. into that. But I also remember with our interview with Ellie Eaton is that that was, like, kind of before I became a reader girl, you know, before before (laughs) I entered my literary era. So I was, like, so intimidated. Because, like, you had already been on book talk, or not book talk, um, booktube. Mm -hmm. And, you know, done you know, paid your dues, giving your time, et cetera, et cetera. I was, you know, the one getting the measly little guest pass at the front office trying to sneak into this conversation is how it felt like. Like, that's what it was giving. Uh-huh. So I remember being like, okay, like, I literally can't fuck up talking about a book to the author. Like, this isn't my fucking, like, French literature class that I was, like, skimming through before class I could take the quiz. It was about to be face-to-face with the person who wrote it. God. So I remember also, because I was like, what if I say, like, I was like, oh, this take was interesting. And then she goes, like, what do you that, mean by that? That was it. <laughs> <laughs> it. it. I was, like, literally pissing my pants about that. Now I'd be, like, a lot more confident. Because also just, it wasn't a genre that I had right, read. Right, right, Because all my literature skill had been in, like, literature, but still they read in school. Right, like, right, right. Shakespeare, mm-hmm. Toni Morrison, mm-hmm. you know, Wordsworth. and James Joyce and like that kind of stuff like old old stuff I hadn't read anything like contemporary Contemporary. literary fiction yeah and then also like with not only an author who's alive but an author that I'm about to talk to yeah 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 yeah. no literally I mean I think like it was interesting because that that was the first time that I was really talking to like an author as almost like an equal almost like like we were on Mm -hmm. Because I, I had read people's books before and then went to their book talks and went went to their, like, signings and shit and, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. saw them in person, you know, and had them sign my book. Like, th- that's been... I've, I've done that for a while. Like, I just, you know... Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was for literary fiction and, and shit like that. So it wasn't that I was unfamiliar with the sort of way that you could individually speak to or like interact with an author that you've read the work of and enjoyed it was more of the fact that it was so like foundational to the podcast and also the way that we want to get it because i remember i like tweeted about it i like tweeted like in all caps something like Mm -hmm. oh my god i love this book so much and i think she found that tweet and she like followed me i was like huh like like 
authors on Twitter will follow anyone. It's absolutely crazy. Anyway, so she followed me, and, like, I think I was like, hey, I should probably, and, and Renaissance loved it, and I was like, I love the book, so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. let me DM her, and I did, and, like, we set up the whole thing, like, over email, like, it mm-hmm. was, it was so fast, it was so crazy, and, like, we did it, and, and this is, like, the, our email account, one day old. We yeah. had not sent yeah. an email, like, yeah. as the podcast. <laughs> we were like, what? <laughs> literally it literally. was so and that was the other thing is that as i was like oh yeah we have a podcast we're gonna interview an author blah, blah, blah. you know it's like yeah i'm gonna talk to an author but then she was so respectful and like like listened to us like yeah. with such sincerity that it was like oh she like actually wants to know what we think about her book right, like right, she right, right, right. is being like <laughs> Because it'd be one thing if she's like, oh, I'm going to talk to these, like, two, like, lesbians, you know, Mm -hmm. and their silly little podcast and, Mm -hmm. like, talk about the book, whatever. But then she was, like, genuinely interested about what we had to say about the characters in the book and how Mm -hmm. it was written that I was like, oh, like, this is real. Like, this is actually real. (laughs) God. Also, do you remember how in one of our first episodes, it was right after I had fallen off of a roof and (laughs) we were trying to record it? And I, my whole body was fucking bruised. I was covered in, like, three different, mm-hmm. like, like heating pads and, like, ice packs and shit. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, season one was such a wild fucking ride. Like, it was, we did not yeah. know what we were doing. And it was fun. Like, it was so fun. Yeah. God. Because still now, even, like, a niche, part of the air of the podcast that it's unplanned to is a very real extent it is unplanned like right, every right, right. week we're just like i guess we'll talk about this yeah but season one was like we're talking less than flying five minutes before by the we seat hit of our pants like, like jesus it, we didn't know what we were talking about at all we didn't know how we were being received so we're just like okay we'll say this shit and yeah. see what happens but i also think that's what makes it fun and also i think uh-huh. how many followers we have is so interesting because we also went into this from the perspective of being stands yeah. and coming from like fandom culture yeah. and liking the things that we yeah. like and then interacting with those communities. Yeah. So then now to kind of see that we have like, uh, albeit like a very small, like very uh-huh. grateful, very humble, right. but a small community about the media that we put out. <laughs> and the that we put out right. It's like so weird. And also because if I was to stand of something, I mean, not saying that our followers are stands, but <laughs> if I was to stand of something, and the person that I stand was this accessible, I, 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 I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. So the fact that we have these many followers and get, you know, a sizable listening every yeah. episode, it's like, and y'all ain't hitting us up? But also, like, I'm terrible at responding. I barely respond to the people that I need to. So if you hit me up, props to you if I reply. Oh, but it's not worth it. I mean, it's worth a shot. Who knows? Maybe I'm in a mood. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, ooh, you know? It could be fun. But I, I just think it's so funny, like, being a stan and, like, still having my stan Twitter account. Mm-hmm. But then, like, making content mm-hmm. for my mm-hmm. the podcast yeah. like our podcast yeah. where we share over fifteen thousand listeners yeah like that's just so wild it, it's actually crazy and i mean i i'm looking at the at our seasons and stuff because we consistently posted all throughout the summer um like which is why wild, wild. week jobs after week we- put out shit back to back to back to back <laughs> for all I'm of season two like with barely a job, fucking dying every single day. But somehow in the summer, I was working four jobs and managing to watch new content and do the episodes. 
No, and I think, like, like we really had to take a break because once Renaissance, because over mm-hmm. the summer, midway season two, uh, Renaissance came, mm-hmm. like, came to St. Louis and, like, we hung out together for a whole week and that was really fun. And yeah. we po- were yeah. posting throwback pictures all the time on Instagram, which, again, you should follow. But, um, and, like, I remember, because we were able to record an episode, like, in real life with each other. Oh, and we also did mm-hmm. a, a video on YouTube that I put up on my YouTube channel, A Sunny Book Nook, that was us yeah. like reacting to one star reviews of our favorite books, including The Divines by Ellie Eaton. Like it was yeah. it was just so it was just so like fun. Did we record two different episodes? We recorded two, but one was posted like hella late because the yeah. Hannah Welk yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first two parts were recorded in St. Louis. Yes. The third, our recommendations was yes. separate. So we were able to do two podcast episodes and a YouTube video together while I was in right, St. Louis. Right, right. Which I also have to say in like our review, as fun as season one was, mm-hmm. because like we, we didn't know what like we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know we were together. And also, like, it was before I had my car at my school. So, like, uh-huh. I was in my dorm all the time. Right, 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 right. So, whether we were recording, I was going to be in my dorm. We're yeah. recording, I was in my dorm. Yeah. So, that was fun because we both were just kind of like, well. Doing nothing. <laughs> we might as well talk. Like, let's Literally. just do it. Yeah. But then the St. Louis era of the podcast. We were doing shit every fucking day. Era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, it, you had to be there. If you were listening yeah. to the St. Louis era, especially if you were an Instagram follower or a Twitter follower. That was like one of my favorite parts. But also, we wouldn't have gotten that close where I was like getting flued out yeah. to St. Louis <laughs> without the podcast, right, you know? Right, 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 like, right. so I think it was kind of like both because even though we had known each other before the podcast, we started talking the summer of 2020, even though we met actually in the summer of 2018. Craziness. <laughs> our friendship craziness. Yeah. has grown mostly during yeah. the podcast. But I think yeah. it's also fun. You guys get to hear us You get to hear it. Friends. Exactly. Yeah. Grow. It's just so, moment. it's so awesome. It's so fun and slay. And mm-hmm. I also think like that hiatus that we took between the two episodes that we recorded in St. Louis, like we, we mm-hmm. didn't post anything all of September. And then started posting a little bit more frequently throughout four season two and three, which, you know, we're mid season three right now. So and like it's just been much more sporadic recently. And I think most of our following kind of came during and like our consistent listenership sort of came towards the end of season one and also throughout season two. That's when I really noticed that like our listenership was building and our stats were kind of climbing on Spotify. So like we really appreciate you guys sticking around because yeah for season three and also you know once we finish season three and go into season four and everything like we don't know Mm -hmm. where this is really going like we don't there's not we don't really have an end goal really (laughs) we don't have there's nothing yeah what i think is kind of interesting especially with like how hashtag low-key successful we've been (laughs) in such a short amount of time right Right. like we started this in april like it, it hasn't even been a full year yet but there's people who enter social media for the monetary clout. Mm-hmm. Like, there are people who make Instagram accounts, like, become, like, enter the field of being an influencer. What you're saying is also, like, part of the fact that, like, we are communists. Like, to remind <laughs> everyone, like, we are hashtag real yeah. communists. Like, we aren't fakies. We you don't know, give we a aren't, fuck. Like, yeah, like, like, you know, how, like, Americans are, like, socialist or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they turn out not be at all, mm-hmm. you know? But we don't have sponsors obviously Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know we don't even work for a podcast producing company like Mm -hmm. earwolf or some you know Mm -hmm. huge podcast companies now like 
we really are just two dykes in a door. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we you are know, literally, it's so fucking bootleg, the shit that we're making. Yeah. And the fact that it's gaining this level of, like, listenership is just so interesting. For me, as someone who's, like, been making, like, YouTube videos and stuff, and also my YouTube channel over the past year has, like, grown significantly. I remember I started out in 2021 with maybe one or 2,000 followers or subscribers or something, and now I'm, like, almost at 10K subscribers on YouTube, which building a followership on YouTube, that shit is hard. It is difficult, yeah. especially for what I do, which is like book recommendations and shit. The thing about me is that obviously being a communist and like having stringent political values and views is gonna come alongside every the way I approach anything. And so how I interact yeah. with social media and stuff has really been shaped by politics because social media and politics are so intertwined, especially now and also as someone who like grew up on the fucking internet. Like these things are fundamentally mm-hmm. interlinked. They're inextricably tied. I can't really remove them from each other. It's just interesting to like ha- quote unquote have a platform in a way that isn't fully fueled by like accumulating money or gaining anything from it beyond just making something that is made to be shared doing stuff that is made for other people to get something out of like Mm -hmm. giving recommendations and media analysis and critical thoughts and comedy and banter and whatever like all of this putting in hours and hours of work into this shit we're not getting paid by any intermediaries if you're putting money into us it's because you're a patreon subscriber and we're not Mm -hmm. even making we're not even breaking a hundred dollars you know what i mean yeah and like all of the stuff that we are doing all and all the stuff that we're making from the production end of the podcast like it all comes out of your own pocket and like in terms of you know paying for the fees that allow you to put up stuff that allows you to listen to this stuff like it all it costs not just our money but also like our time and i think like we wouldn't be spending our time doing this if it wasn't really rewarding and really fun and it's really possible because we are i think making y'all feel a little less lonely and also helping us be not as lonely and isolated, which is where we were coming from in making this in the first place where, you know, we really couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. So we were going to talk anyway. And so it's just like, it's just so nice to be, to have like, and that's why we've always been in that sort of fandom space. And we always talk about that coming from like, if you like, the girls who get it get it like the people who grew up on the internet <laughs> yeah. and grew up in fandom yeah. spaces and fandom culture like you get it like you speak that language you understand what that community is like yeah and that safety that comes with everyone being into a certain thing having a certain type of mindset towards something is replicated in the way that we approach everything that we do and make and we're very happy to have everyone here to yeah. like join us with that because it, it's not possible that sort of niche community that relationship and and people consuming content and making content and all that like that would be possible if people weren't engaged and tapped in and interested you know i was gonna say is like we really do i know everyone anyone who's ever created anything always say that like they do it because they love it (laughs) but we really aren't getting money like if we didn't love it if we didn't do it for the sake of the community that we've built there'd be no reason first of all we already zoomed and talked to each other and watched (laughs) things together anyway right so if we wanted to we could do all this and not have, have an podcast, audience you know? <laughs> right right yeah like not put in the work into like yeah. editing the yeah. stuff and uploading yeah. and keeping track and trying to stay you know yeah. manage multiple accounts yeah. and stuff like that like <laughs> right. we could just be 
uh, well, I was gonna say normal besties, but neither of us are normal. <laughs> <laughs> so, that doesn't work. But <laughs> you know, we could do this and not be the lavender menace. Right. But like, we really do do it because we love it and yeah. because. I, I love seeing y'all's reactions, especially <laughs> when we do, like, album rankings. Yeah. Like, that's always so much fun. Yeah. When we get ourselves into hot water, you love to see the girls struggle. <laughs> y'all love it. Oh, y'all, I also love seeing you guys and we got fighting all the... on our behalf in the comments. Yes. <laughs> I love it because... Yeah, well, Sunny is known on TikTok for commenting, do you listen to the Lavender Menace <laughs> on any slightly swiftier communist TikTok ever. If you go into the comment section, Sunny will be there. But I love it when I kind of like see other listeners ask about the Lavender Menace or talk about yeah. it in the comment section. Like, and not tagging us, like not yeah, about us at nothing. all, but still bring yeah. us up, I think is interesting. And then sometimes I see things because like we are in such a niche, niche community. Like communists... <laughs> Swifty, but then also like Gaylor on top of that. Like you have to be so deep into the niche that sometimes I'll see things and I'm like, is that our print? Because how else in the community would these things yeah. align like that? You know. So I think it's funny to like run into our listeners or like things that we talk about when it's unrelated to us. I think it's so no, much. Definitely. I think it's so funny. I also want to sort of just like apologize and acknowledge. Apologize for and acknowledge the fact that we just like post much more irregularly now, um, like as opposed to yeah. once a week or once every two weeks. It's like it just varies, and it's mostly just because life is fucking busy. Like it's just gone so like the pandemic, the the shutdown, uh, definitely wasn't long enough. Was not effective, and mm-hmm. so now here we are. I think that's also the other part of like when we started, we were so isolated, not to be like you know hashtag isolation hashtag fake deep or whatever but like it was because of the pandemic like we were just so physically and socially isolated because we were living alone you know no one still at that time really knew when things were gonna like open up Mm -hmm. as as people say or we were Mm -hmm. gonna start having like lives off of zoom you know like Mm -hmm. we'd go from zoom classes to Mm -hmm. zooming each other like like everything was on the same space yeah and now we have like responsibilities and obligations Mm -hmm. that are not on our phones or online Mm -hmm. and we didn't know how long that's gonna last so when Mm -hmm. we started it was like well we need this to keep us (laughs) doing something for us as long as it does and now obviously we found out that we enjoyed and that you guys Mm -hmm. enjoyed as well so we want to keep doing it Mm -hmm. but now it's like oh i have to like actually kind of plan this because they can't just yeah. send you a you have to schedule it 10 in minutes advance before. because we have schedules yeah. and lives and fucking things to do now. yeah and like, before like the only thing that was really filling up my schedule is when i had to go and pick up food and then bring mm-hmm. it back to the dorm that mm-hmm. i'm still zooming you at mm-hmm. like sometimes i wouldn't hang up the call to get food <laughs> because of how literally, short i'd be gone we would we would like virtually leave each other in the room to do whatever we needed yeah. to do and then just yeah. come back. It was literally like we were in isolation together, except it was mm-hmm. just digitally. Like we We'd fall asleep on yeah. like the Zoom. Like not even in a like wait, but in the way that like you have a roommate. Like sometimes yeah. you're in a roommate yeah. and like literally. in a dorm and you're just like literally. you turn around and your roommate has like gone to bed and mm-hmm. you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it'd be like. Sunny and I would just like put on the phone call and do whatever we needed to do. And then I'd be like, Oh Sunny, did you hear that? Sunny, Sunny. All of a sudden Sunny's asleep on the Zoom call. And I'm like, okay. 
Well, why don't have the damn light bill over here falling right. asleep on the Zoom call? But so that's like that's really like we started when it was basically like we either do it or we don't. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. And now obviously we like it, but we do have to like schedule mm-hmm. it, which is why like I'm also sorry that it's so irregular. But yeah. That's the explanation. (laughs) For the past three months, I've woken up and every schedule that I thought I was going to have for that day has changed. (laughs) It changes hour by hour, minute by minute. May I ask, Sunny, what your favorite episode has been? Um, I think that (laughs) our addressing Mm -hmm. the biphobia discourse November (laughs) episode, which is yeah, which is literally the opening episode of season three, which is so fucking funny to me. Literally so fucking funny. I love that one. I also loved our Gaylor blind item episode because like. We didn't know what the fuck a blind item item was. <laughs> like we literally had no clue what what that tell. was. You can tell. Like, <laughs> yeah, we didn't know how to read them because they're all in, encrypted as fuck, literally. and we're like, what the fuck is it? Like, why are you saying an illiterate actress? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then we're just like, like we got so many messages that like that just means model. Yeah. We're like, oh okay. Yeah. We were th- we thought you were calling Carly Kloss dumb as hell. <laughs> god yeah oh i also love um our kajillionaire episode i think we had such good analysis for kajillionaire mm-hmm. uh, oh my god uh, the episode where we had nor on that was that was i was gonna lovely. say that one yes nor is such a bestie and a bae yeah our white man's communism episode where then we, yeah, also yeah, where yeah. we talk about the apple music interview like that mm-hmm. was really I really liked that episode. We we got into a lot of good shit. We were like, yeah, this is what Marxism is and this is how y'all are very annoying and stupid. You should read Satan Revolution. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. Loki that rhymes. Y'all are very stupid. Go read Satan Revolution. <laughs> no, for real. Bars. It's a to, to bars. Bars. <laughs> what episodes are standouts in your mind? The first episode, again. Ignore the audio quality. We're so <laughs> funny in the first episode. I listened to the first episode like three times just because I was so proud of it. And I, I loved it. I just think because that was so before we had any type of podcaster voice, before we knew who we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That was like the first episode is truly us just laughing or saying jokes to make the other person laugh, yeah. like just to make the other yeah. person laugh. <laughs> yeah. Which, it's just so funny. And and because the hot take was so good, the movie, I still love Shiva Baby, still one of my favorite yeah, movies. Yeah, And illiterate lesbians. <laughs> I don't know what that's in reference to, but it's still, so, it's just so funny. I love the episode that we filmed together yeah. in St. Louis. Yeah. The solar power one yeah. and the Hassan one. Yeah. Reading Hassan to Phil was so much fun. Oh, and have um, you heard? He's, he's in hot water again over, I he think, is for what? right now, over, like, sex work discourse or whatever. Hype down. Hype down. You're a multimillionaire man. Yeah. Living in Los Angeles? Please. Please. Zero God. opinions from that God. man. Yeah. Um, but I just think the episode was so funny. And again, it was the whole St. Louis era was yeah. very, very. Oh very my fun. God! Our sour era, where we, where you hate, yeah. like you were hating on sour so bad, <laughs> and everyone was coming I was after you. Say, I do. 
Even though I got so much backlash, well, uh, since we've had our biphobia cancellation era, mm-hmm. the sour backlash was not backlash. Mm-hmm. But that was like just from the stands. Like, mm-hmm. I do really like that episode, even though so many people disagreed with me. <laughs> I think it's just, it's fun. And Jennifer's Body was such a good movie to watch. Yes. One of our most recent episodes, I think it might even be one of the latest episodes, uh, The Fake Gaze. Is reputation overrated? I just thought that that was really fun to react to. Yeah. And that was passing. I, I, bestie. Bestie of the pod. Of our listeners. But if you don't like reputation. (laughs) God. Yeah, I mean, what do you, for you, like, what has been your favorite part of the element of making the podcast? Like, like, have you enjoyed Mm -hmm. doing the, like, the album rankings or, like, the actual act of, like, watching a movie together or, like, watching a show together and, like, comparing notes or, like, reading a book and comparing notes or have you, like, really enjoyed going through the hot takes and responding to that? Like, I don't know. What have you – or, like, recommending media? Like, what what has been most fun for you, I think? I mean, all, all of it is fun, but, like, what is, like – Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, my tweets have been more successful than ever. I have to say personally, <laughs> selfishly – I've been having numbers, uh, producing bangers, if you will, um, in a way that I wasn't before. <laughs> like, it would, like, it would, uh, it would no. like, one of my tweets would hit, would hit, like, 10 likes, and I'd be like, nice. Like, um, now, you know, I'm, like, it's kind of like, Taylor, like, if they like a single, or if a song should have been a single, they'll tell me, like, y'all, if y'all like a tweet, it yeah. shows now, which yeah, I yeah, like. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the actual, like, podcast episodes, I just love movies. I love movie analysis. And the way that you love literary fiction, I just love... <laughs> I, I love the analysis of visual media. Uh-huh. I love looking for things. I like thinking about the way things are shot and framed. I love the act of acting and looking at acting performances. So because I already like that, I love those for the podcast. And I, besides the one Wonder Woman movie... Oh my god. We will never hate watch again because that was so bad. But we watch like really good shit for yeah. the podcast. Yeah. More I'm so glad that Umfi was like, yeah. y'all, y'all gotta watch Kajillionaire or like y'all gotta watch this or y'all gotta watch that. Because it's yeah. just been a good time to like analyze media in this particular way or like even coming up with our own suggestions of like, oh, we should watch this and talk about this. Like, oh, we're Zola good was a good Zola, the- yeah. That was such a good episode. That was an underrated episode too. It doesn't it's one of our lesser listened to ones, mm-hmm. but the politics of superheroes uh-huh. where we shit on the MCU, which like yeah. so true. Yeah. Uh we watched Zola, which I think we both watched that in theaters. And then anti communist military propaganda. Mm-hmm. Which again, I thought was I thought it was so good. That was such a good I, I really enjoy that movie. When we were hey watching the Wonder Woman episode, I kept on being like begging, begging for the sweet release of Birds of Prey. <laughs> oh yeah, that was before. I think that was before I'd even seen Birds of Prey. Really? So that's a, yeah. I think that's another thing. I'm very grateful to this podcast and our friendship because it made it got me into Birds of Prey, <laughs> which I've never even hint to say that I like more than you because I don't think anyone on planet Earth likes Birds of Prey more than you do. But I do really enjoy it. Yeah, now I have to get a Birds of Print tattoo, but now I have to, like, think about it and, like, really... Because I got a tattoo about uh, over a book that I really enjoyed this past year, and that was my first one. And and we got uh, that tattoo. We got a tattoo together over the summer yes. in the St. Louis era. So, yeah. No. Well, yeah, and I got a tattoo, and mine was for, I mean, it's... 
on strawberries, but it's the comedy and drama mask. Uh-huh. It's so cute. It's the tattoo I get compliment the most on. <laughs> but that was also for, like, generally my love yeah. for media. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I knew that because I would never not enjoy right theater, acting, consuming it as such. Yeah. And I just love strawberries. I think they're cute. But, like, we both got very media-based media based tattoos. Media-based yeah, tattoos. literally. In terms of actual media that we've consumed for or not mm-hmm. for the pod over the past year like what what have been our favorite mm-hmm. like movie and music releases and and books and whatever that we've read this past year that have like really left a deep impact on us for both I don't of think us. we've ever oh wait no that was in 20 when did the queen's gambit come out late 2020 okay so it's before mm-hmm. the podcast mm-hmm. so like we both really like anya taylor joy so I'm yeah. surprised that that hasn't come up on the podcast. Maybe we yeah. should watch that for do yeah. a hashtag rewatch. No, I had such a fixation era on the Queen's Gambit. It was bad for me. It was really bad. <laughs> I was really telling everyone go watch that shit. And I mean, I was right because it's good. Like this is the thing. Mm-hmm. This is the fucking thing, y'all. <laughs> Look, I know I get clowned on for all the things I enjoy and being a nerd. But <laughs> when I tell you. Everything I've ever been nerdy about has actually legitimately been artistically good and it's like actually held up. You know what I mean? Like, even when mm-hmm. I was in my like Hamilton era or whatever, like objectively great music, wonderful show, like mm-hmm. really, really well done. But at the time when I was like fucking standing it and everyone was like, what the hell is this? No one was pay- like, people paid it dust, obviously, right? But mm-hmm. then it became super mainstream and everyone was like loving it. And then we were all like, this is some liberal bullshit, right? And then, like, I'm easing out of my arcane hyperfixation era, but, <laughs> like, my arcane hyperfixation era where I was, like, everyone needs – I was shaking everyone down, making trying to make them watch the show. And everyone was like, the League of Legends show? You mean the League of Legends? Le- I'm like, I don't know what League of Legends is. I really could not tell you what that is. I don't know what a video game is. But when I tell you I love the show, and I feel the same way about the Queen's Gambit. I don't give a shit about chess. I don't give a fuck. I literally don't care. I care I care about it so little. Like, I cannot even tell you how much I don't care. But the Queen's Gambit as a show, that was a high reputation. It was so good. And it, like, won the so Emmys bad. for what it was. You know what I mean? Like, it was critically acclaimed. The same way that, like, Arcane is critically acclaimed. Hamilton is critically acclaimed. All the things that have ever really, like, Taylor Swift, critically acclaimed. Everything that I've ever been super into is actually good. And so, my haters, you need to calm down. Like, you need to get off, get off my dick. Like, <laughs> Anyway, anyway. I agree. I'm trying to think of things that I bo- we both haven't talked about and I haven't recommended at all, which is like pretty few. Because everything that we don't talk about, I end up recommending. I mean, you, you could just, you could even do like stuff that you have recommended and stuff. Like, like what are the most standouts of the mm-hmm. year, I guess, in general, whether we've mentioned it or not? Oh, okay. I think Shiva Baby, like not oh, for to sure. be OG. I think we we were just so on the money with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we were, we were there because I think we also it hadn't been out for that long when we talked about it. On no, the it was pod, pretty I recent. Once, like, yeah, yeah. So it's not even you know like oh it got really popular you know and then we made an episode about it talking about how much we liked it. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think we're gonna see a lot more of. The director Emma, I think we're gonna see a lot more of Rachel mm-hmm. and a lot more of Molly. Like I think it it just was so good and just it, like we said earlier, tied into so many of the themes of what we talk about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. That I think like the it girls. You also introduced me to Sorry to Bother You. 
Oh, and yeah. Almost like ego death or like yeah. the trip in a way because yeah. now I can't not see in every workplace yes. interaction that yes. I have. Yes. Like, like to a degree that's like chilling. Yeah. Like it, I get yeah. chills down my spine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ugh. It's yeah. so, like the movie's so good, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it has just like influenced the way that I see like workplaces. And obviously it just... Because um, the director is a communist as well, Boots mm-hmm. Riley. The takes on capitalism are, you know, hashtag based or whatever. Right. But it's like so accurate. And because it's yeah. a movie and it presented in a visual way, you can't help but like literally see it. Yeah. Like when you see it in yeah. real life, it's because like you are witnessing Your it. Your own like eyeballs you're hearing it. Are, are yeah. seeing it. And the camera so represent like, what your eyeballs are seeing so fucking well in this way that's like yeah. absurdist and yet fucking real. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's both, like, camp and too realistic yeah. at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's so, the, the perfect, like, mark in between of, like, absolutely yeah. absurd, but also, like, scarily realistic, like, terrifyingly realistic. To contrast that with one more item, this year I watched and came out Judas and the Black, Black Messiah about Fred Hampton, but also kind of not because it's kind of from the perspective of the guy who ended up being the rat in mm-hmm. the Black Panther mm-hmm. Party and working with the FBI and the police mm-hmm. department. Mm-hmm. People think that that movie is the it girl that, like, <laughs> sorry to bother you, actually is. <laughs> and, like, as a biopic, you know, well done. Like, it's directed well. Mm-hmm. The acting performances in it are really good Mm -hmm. but it's kind of it it gives very much um state and revolution where lennon talks about how like even things that are revolutionary end up being like hollowed out Mm -hmm. by liberalism Mm -hmm. and to the point where they no longer mean anything or they're Mm -hmm. so devoid of their revolutionary roots Mm -hmm. and i kind of got that from judas and the black messiah Mm -hmm. like they're technically saying things that are Mm -hmm. communist and based in theory Mm -hmm. but it's, like, presented in such a way that, like, you can kind of not watch the movie and not really be shaken that much, mm-hmm. which, sorry to, the bo- sorry to bother you. That shit like, rocks you to your core. Like, it grabs it you by the shoulders. You. I'm fucking just, <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh. So, like, I can see, like, liberal hashtag Democrat white people watching Judas and the Black Messiah mm-hmm. and being like, oh. Oh, cute. Like, very much Love Me, I'm a Liberal by yeah. Phil Oaks. Something that I've noticed is that people that I talk to about, sorry to bother you, often will mm-hmm. be like, oh, that was so weird. Or they'll be like, yeah, that movie made me a socialist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are really the two, but also, two options. The, one of the main actors is that I just now realized, I didn't mean, mean to do it, uh, Lakeith is the main actor of both those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man is inescapable. Also, I think he's in hot water. I can't remember for what. I think it's Wiki. for being corny, like being. I know that like, he I think, I think it's some, cut some his liberal nails. shit. I thought it was some political take thing that he was being dog. I don't know. I think maybe he's like misogynistic or something, but that's like every man in Hollywood. Be honest, like. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, the, those two. Yeah. But Shiva Baby, Shiva Baby, I think is gonna is gonna live on. Yeah. I think we're gonna see its impact for many years to yeah. come. Yeah. And I think that we were fucking. Yeah. On it. When we talked about it. A 2021 watch that I liked and we kind of talked about is I Care A Lot. That was good. Mm -hmm. It was a fun, campy movie. And obviously, like, oh, I think I made you watch... We we did Yes, God, Yes as one of our episodes. 
as a mm-hmm. Netflix movie. We I watched. loved that. Yeah, that was so fun. Um, so I love that, and obviously I watched Birds of Prey like four different times this year. <laughs> and uh, but for twenty twenty one releases, I watched the Suicide Squad, which I enjoyed for its anti-imperialist messaging and also the featuring of harley quinn in there like her role in there mm-hmm. is very female manipulator girl boss like so is very slay uh of spencer that was wonderful you haven't seen it yet obviously mm-hmm. passing which we had our episode on that was great and then all too well the short film yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah yes. yeah yeah i also <laughs> watched uh the green knight uh that came out in 2021 that was really good um mm. but i didn't watch that one yeah, but yeah. Dev Patel. Bay. Was it? I've heard it. Yeah, I do love Dev Patel. I just it wasn't my my tea. But yeah, <laughs> yeah those are all my twenty twenty one like movie watches that I enjoyed. I mean, in terms of shows, obviously my arcane era. Obviously, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, I was still in my at the very beginning of the year. I was still in my Queen's Gambit era, and I've been in my Dairy Girls era this whole year. Like I, well, that's my comfort show. <gasps> That was the first thing we watched together. Dairy Girls? That, that you introduced yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we both already watched Chris Fleming. Mm-hmm. We're both sons of JBU. This whole podcast. How have we not mentioned JBU in this oh, entire yeah. revival? Yeah. One of the whole reasons just why we do what we us. do is because of Just Between Us and Gabby and Allison's friendship. But also, that was the episode that we lost. Was there hashtag not friendship friendship moment mm-hmm. where we fucking lost our yeah. balls and mind yeah. over that yeah but dairy girls was the first thing that i like that you made me at digital gunpoint yeah literally literally and i love it i'm i literally yeah. became obsessed with it ever yeah. since then it's a great show so in terms of books i think well for you the seven husbands of evelyn hugo was like defining like impactful beyond yeah. measure um yeah i think my parallel to that is i loved taylor jenkins reads most recent book release, Malibu Rising. I read that while I was mm-hmm. in, like, on the coast of California over the summer. And, it like, the combination of being there while reading that book and also the book itself, be like, weaving in and out of the storyline that is already set up in The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo because we are following... One of Evelyn's husbands, Mick Riva, is like, the primary character in Malibu Rising. Well, he's not even the primary character. He's the father of the children that Is it Riva or Riva? That's what I heard in the audiobook, is Mick Riva. Oh, I never listened to... Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So To be honest, mm-hmm. I kind of glossed over it. I thought his last name was Rivera for most of it. You like, I referred to him as Nick so Rivera. You crazy. Oh, so, my God. I didn't even... I, I barely even clocked that. It ha. Love Malibu Rising, because in there... One of the main characters is a lesbian, and she, like, figures out that she's a lesbian, along many other plot lines mm-hmm. as well. And, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, like family trauma discussed, like, an alcoholic single mom and, like, a fucking, like, all these siblings and, like, lost half-siblings and whatever. All this stuff. It was it was great, and it's really emotionally impactful, and it was definitely on my top 20 books of the year video that I, like, put out last week. Um, well, at this point, it'll probably be within the last, like, month that you're listening. But, obviously, The Divines was my favorite book of the year. Like, I, I've read yeah. 200 plus books this year, and The Divines is number one. <laughs> like, number one. We still, one. we are The Divines stands. stands like, defend, like, like, the amount of people that I have forced or encouraged to read <laughs> that mm-hmm. book via me harping on You're that. like, in case the FBI is listening, <laughs> encouraged to read. My second favorite book of the year was also one that I recommended to you, which was Princess Florlinda and the Forty Flight Tower by Tamsin Muir. I've reread that book 
dozens of times this year. Like, it's my comfort read. Like, every time I talk about it, I'm like, let me go read that book again. Because it's just so sweet. Um, and I love it a lot. And again, of course, the sapphic book. But I think, like, that's the other thing. In all the sapphic media that, like, I love. Like, I mean, this year it was really like Malibu Rising I talked about. Oh, I was gonna, um, Fortune Favors the Dead. Yes, Fortune Favors the Dead. That was on my I was gonna 2020 favorite books list. Like that was one of my top favorite books mm. of 2020, so not 2021, mm. but yeah. I did that make will, you read that, that for the pod. That, yeah, I read it and we mm -hmm. talked about it on the pod, um, yeah. which I thought was super fun. For me, the shows, I think I wouldn't be a succession stand <laughs> if I didn't bring up succession as well. Right. The, my top and favorite shows this year. Uh -huh. I watched it between the hiatus of season two and season three. Mm -hmm. And each season, the, the fan base for it has, one, gotten exponentially insane. More insane, yeah. And two, just bigger and bigger. I think another part is, is like, the Killing Eve fandom is, like, notorious for being actually insane. Right. Because they are. I remember <laughs> when season three of Killing Eve came out, I was like, I'm a stan, Ben a stan. I was like, y'all need to calm down. <laughs> this is doing, like it was too much for me right but so i think a lot of killing you stands migrated to the succession fandom for better or for worse but yeah. oh my god i do the fucking the stella blankovist we watched stella blankovist <gasps> yeah that was the episode I, where yeah. my whole fucking body was broken after falling off the roof but i mean it was yeah. it was a fun show i really like the crime thriller the second season is out now um and i haven't watched it yet because i'm Watching Dickinson, everyone. Shush, shush. You're watching Dickinson? Mm, you know? I've heard that people hate it. <laughs> I've heard that people think it's bad. It's okay. The thing is, is that it's kind of giving Vita in Virginia. Yeah, that's what that's, or, I, that's what I've seen. From what I've seen, clips and stuff, I'm like, it like, looks like Vita in Virginia. Like, down. And that's one of my favorite movies. One mm. of my favorite movies, especially because if you follow us on Instagram, then you know that I'm a Gemma Arterton stan. Okay. <laughs> per. And she plays Vita. And so, and that's the first German movie that I ever watched. And I love it. Vita and Virginia is one of those movies where either you love it or you hate it. Not a lot of people have middle opinions. Oh, I've seen it. I think it's meh. I'm, I'm a meh person. I really? think it's beautifully shot, but I didn't really find exactly. it that emotionally compelling. Like, I, I was like, whatever for me. I was shaken to my core yeah. watching I it. saw it in theaters, but too. Like... I would have given anything to see I'm pretty sure. Maybe it was... I saw Colette in theaters. I saw... What did I see? I saw that lesbian Kristen Stewart movie, the one about the chickens. Or what? what am I? <laughs> I'm thinking about all the. Uh, oh, the last movie I saw. Oh, the. Lizzie. Lizzie, yeah, Lizzie Bennett. But it's giving very Vita in Virginia. I'm a Vita in Virginia stand. I think part of it, one, the whole vibe of it is very Vita in Virginia. Like I can't even put into words. It just it has that vibe. But also one of. The oh no! I saw it on the plane. I watched it on the plane. Anyway. Oh, okay. I would not want to watch Vita in Virginia for the first time in a public space for some of the scenes. <laughs> I rated it four out of five stars. And so true. I said, so true. I liked the cinematography, sound production design, costume design. And I was like, I'm going to recommend this to my English teachers, which I definitely did. So <laughs> one of the reasons why people don't like it is because it's kind of historically inaccurate, but and it is. But the thing is that originally I think Vita and Virginia were just supposed to be about two 20s lesbian writers but then it's like okay well this is 
it was to the point where it's too Vita in Virginia coded to mm-hmm. not be Vita in Virginia, but it mm-hmm. also wasn't supposed to be a biopic yeah. about yeah, yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. So some people, the girls who get it, get it. Yeah, the girls yeah, who yeah. don't, don't. Another thing that people typically don't like about it is the scoring of it, which is one of my favorite parts of mm-hmm. the movie, because that's like a contemporary score for a period piece. And Dickinson does the same thing. Like, right, right, right. Th- the episode I was watching is like playing like a, a twerking song or whatever, but they're yeah. doing like a historically accurate like, dance choreography. Oh my group. God. It's like, twerk that ass, like <laughs> in the background or whatever. It was so funny. So it kind of has like that level of campiness yeah. to it. You well, know? are you watching Dickinson for the Ivy scene? Like for that episode? Like is that what initially? No, no, no. So I started I started watching it with my sapphic coworkers. They're getting hella shout outs for people that don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. But I was because uh, we watch things together from time to time, you know, having IRL friends, who knew? <laughs> and one of my coworkers watched it and was like, You guys have to watch it. And so it, it had always been on my watch list, but I always watched other things instead. Right, right. And then it just kind of like did it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this kind of actually slays very hard. So now I'm watching it because that was like right before break. So we left for break and we're like, okay, we're, we'll all watch it so that we don't have to wait for each other. And then we're going to do a rewatch together because yeah. hashtag gay people. But yeah. I had already started it and I had already watched it with them when the the ivy episode came out yeah and so then when it happened the 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 gay co-worker group chat was fucking <laughs> like it was it was it was popping yeah. like the memes the, yeah. like it was everywhere <laughs> everything everything god it um, was all over my twitter all over my timeline and then it opened my messages mm-hmm. it was there too yeah everyone yep. was talking about it and i think it's so funny that literally it shook the table so hard and Taylor Swift still didn't post anything for Evermore's when <laughs> Nothing. It's cause it's cause she she wants to keep it in the closet. Even though Evermore came out in December of twenty twenty, because it came out in December twenty twenty, mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it in the twenty twenty one camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, twenty twenty one was definitely defined by the presence of Evermore mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. in a way that no other year. Yeah. Yeah. Was not. I'm I'm an Evermore girl, can I say? So this is my quote-unquote mm-hmm. media recommendation part of the episode, but the media recommendation okay. is it's an eh. It's more of a it's more of a take this as you will recommendation because I think there are elements of it that I'm like are very renaissance quoted, but then there are elements of it that are like that make me want to shoot myself in the face. So like <laughs> the 2020 release, it's called Something to Talk About by Meryl Wilsner. I think the mm. the author is like a butch Jewish lesbian, from what I can tell. From what I can tell, Where? um, like in, like a Seattle, like Pacific Northwest type lesbian. Anyway, so it's kind of Evelyn Hugo coded because it's about a, but it's a contemporary novel, so it's all set in like contemporary times. The main character is named Joe Jones, and Joe Jones is mm-hmm. a like forty year old Hollywood like screenwriter, like superstar, because uh, she was. Like, she's super famous, super rich, and her personal assistant is this, like, 20-something named Emma. And the personal assistant is, like, bisexual, I guess. And the 40-year-old, you know, hottie is a lesbian. So, anyway, basically, it's about their romance because what ends up happening is that 
Joe, the she's Chinese. She's forty one, I think. She's like she's a lesbian. She's like she's on top of her shit. She's a bo- she's a boss. She like doesn't let any of the media attention bother her. She acts like she doesn't care what other people have to like say about her, or her reputation, or her meat. Like you know, because she's always existed in the public light since she was you know like ten or eleven. She's like a complicated relationship with like her family. She's like really. Uh, she has like very few friends. Uh, she like hasn't ha- been in a relationship in a very long time. They're on a red carpet one day, and like they end up getting this photo taken together that everyone in- thinks that they're dating. So like there's all this media attention about them supposedly dating and then and like it's all this nudge nudge wink wink situation where everyone in the industry seems to be like oh you just like slept your way into your job like you're but emma's like actually really a competent personal assistant and she also wants to be a director so it's very much like hollywood based it's very much about it's like Mm. that like sapphic relationship and then the media attention element it's very slow burn we do the whole won't they will they like the entire time through what's the name of it again something to talk about i i I heard of this on on TikTok. This was the for you page recommended. <laughs> of course, because ev- I'm telling you, everyone's female female romance recommendations are mm-hmm. the. F- I can tell you, I know ev- every single one that's going to come up, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are not good. I remember, I remember this because it was one of the ones where they're like story time. Okay, so this happened to me, and then at the end, oh they tell you that it's a book recommendation. Yeah, and I may have I may have stayed to watch the story time. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. Uh, a gay boss, you say, and you want to be a director? <laughs> Interesting story. But yeah, no, so because Joe, mm-hmm. like, the boss is, well, she's also, like, closeted mm-hmm. to her audience, but, so no one, like, really knows that she's gay, but anyway, she is, like, Chinese, and, like, it plays a role in the story, but obviously the author is white, and so when I was reading it, I was like, and also the... Oh my god, some of the comments about, like, bisexuality or, like, lesbianism in here. Oh, the cringe that went through my mm. body, it was in waves. I was like, no. And also, by the end Is of the... Is it giving when when um, Taylor Jenkins Reid said that being biracial and being bisexual are, like, essentially the same thing? No! Is people like I will defend Evelyn Hugo <laughs> until my dying breath. But if someone brings up the bisexual takes or the biracial commentary of the book, <laughs> I gotta give it up. God. Like the character Evelyn Hugo and Celia, I will defend forever and ever. Amen. But some of the things that Taylor Jenkins Reid says, mm. not my girl Evelyn, the author says, I'm like. This one, I don't know about this one, Bestie. But you just you just read past it. You read through the Monique sections to get to to the good bits. Oh my god! Wait, so you're gonna say the 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 commentary, the comments? Yeah, but about bisexuality is something to talk about is like a dual POV like romance. So like we get Emma's point mm-hmm. of view and we get Joe's point of view and like you know both their perspectives and stuff. I just found it kind of. I thought it was fine. I thought I thought it was fine, but I also found it kind of inane and annoying but you would still like it i think (laughs) i'm absolutely slaughtered today here folks absolutely fucking slaughtered tell the listeners that have made it this far just heard heard me be absolutely this is the thing though because the love interest is like a milf like type hollywood girl boss type b like ice queen like you know like 
that type of person. And mm-hmm. then the per- and then her. You saw that, and you're like, this reminds me of Renaissance. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. think Renaissance would like the fucking the personal assistant is so like Virgo rising coded. Is she so she okay? And this is the thing. She is like. She's Jewish and she's like really tall and like really skinny from the description. Like she's like really tall. Like she's like a really close relationship with her sister who is like a baker. And like all of their friends, Joe and Emma's, all of their friends are always like teasing them, being like, oh, how about your girlfriend? And they're like, we're not dating. And they're like, oh, sure. Like that's like the whole, that's like the entirety of the story as well. And for me, I was like, this is like, shut the fuck up. But I was like, okay, whatever. Oh but as a book, I'm like, okay, you're fine. Like, you're literally fine. You're a three star. You're a three star. You didn't blow me out of the water. You didn't make me go, woo, the way other romance novels have. But I can't mm-hmm. expect I can't expect that much from a fucking sapphic romance. Because have I read one, from, have I read a lesbian romance novel that blew me out of the water in a way that any other type of romance novel has before in the past. Like, straight romance and gay romance is doing so much better than lesbian romance in my book. And I've read a lot of all of these, so... Anyway, it's it's exhausting. It's really just so tiring. (laughs) God. Anyway, but that's my recommendation to you because I think that you would still enjoy it. Because, like, I also Mm -hmm. think, like, Evelyn Hugo, in some ways, I'm like, okay, you're kind of cringe, you're kind of cramp, whatever. But... yeah. I think that for the same reasons why I think like I think you would enjoy this book more than I did. I just think that the way that authors write sexual tension between women characters, I'm just like, have you ever met a woman? Like, have you <laughs> have you ever been around no, another woman in that. your life? Like, especially what? I find the way that white lesbians oh, God. talk about yeah, it's jarring to be honest. <laughs> it um, really is. There's just some things I'm just like, no. No. <laughs> no, what are you talking but about? But my recommendation is also like a, a recommendation. It's kind of a hate watch recommendation, but like uh-huh. in a fun way. Uh-huh. So I watched this literally last night. It's called See Each Her Own. It's a French movie. The French title is Les Goûts et les Couleurs. And it's directed by Miriam Aziza. It's on Netflix. French Netflix movies are fucking wild. There's only one that I've seen that I think is actually good. But <laughs> the, I'm, that's not the one I'm recommending. Right. This one is gay question mark i watched it last night with a mutual bestie elham and also i think listener of the podcast and you we watched, watched this it last together. night yeah on netflix party elham literally texted me out of nowhere and was like what are you doing i was like nothing and they're like do you want to watch a movie <laughs> and i was that like so funny sure. <laughs> and then sent me like screenshots and i had i hadn't heard of this one uh-huh. and i just saw french and because we're like oh we should watch a french movie together uh-huh. And then sent this one that had lesbian in it. And I was like, work, let's do it. And so then we did. And also it's on Netflix. So it's a lot. It's very easy to just Netflix party. It starts off and you're like, oh, this is this might be the worst movie that I've ever seen. Like, this, this is, like, this is really bad. Like, like this is really bad. And then it, if you if you can muster the strength to, to keep watching. There's a, Where did Elham even point. get this fucking movie? Like, what? I, I don't know. But there's a point where it becomes camp. It circles, it, becomes, it does the, it's so bad, it's kind of good. Yeah. And then you find yourself watching just to see what ne- the, the next batshit mm-hmm. plot point is going to be. Like the plot point that makes zero sense. And the most wild lines, like dialogue, it's not even that people don't talk like this. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why, why were you as a writer? 
sitting at your screen, mm. tippity tapping, and saw these lines in succession mm. and was like, that's a script. Mm. <laughs> like, no, literally. It's so, it's so wild. Okay, so craziness aside, it's about this closeted lesbian who, um, she's Jewish, but non-practicing, but her family is, like, really religious, and so there was, like, why, and her, like, brother is really religious, and is, like, what, you should be more Jewish, and Mm -hmm. she's, like, am I not Jewish enough, I'd be, anyways, it's a whole lot of that. She is a closeted lesbian who's been, like, trying to come out for, like, three years. And every time she's, like, about to say it, she doesn't say it. But she has this girlfriend of also three years or, like, four years that she's been with that had, like, her, she tells her family's, like, her roommate or whatever. And so she's trying to work up the courage. But while she's trying to work up the courage to come out to her family about being a lesbian, she meets this Senegalese Muslim chef at like this restaurant and then also ends up seeing him at a club and then ends up also keep running into him at the restaurant that he works at and somehow manages to fall in love (laughs) question mark slash cheat with this muslim man Uh while also trying to reaffirm her lesbian identity and then but also not only is there this like lesbian but also sleeping with a man Uh contradiction she's also like cheating on top of it it's not even that she thinks she's a lesbian but is having sex with a man Uh she's like also actively ruining a a long monogamous relationship in the process and every single form of racism that you can imagine (laughs) happens in this movie like the white people hate the Jewish people. The Jewish people hate the black characters and also the man being Muslim. Him as in uh he's Senegalese, like from Africa, I'm pretty sure like either immigrant or like first generation. Like being Senegalese is very much part of his identity. Mm-hmm. And being Muslim is like also is somehow coded in that his character hates gay people and Jewish people, but then he's also sleeping with a Jewish lesbian, <laughs> lesbian question mark, and her also coming from this like very anti-black racist family, sleeping with a Senegalese man while also having a long-term. Does she like explicitly partner. identify as a lesbian? Like, yes, that is crazy. Does she just not yes. know the word for bisexual? So okay, like, this what is, is the thing. On? A lot of the reviews are like. Because uh, when I was texting Elham after this, I was like, biphobia isn't real, but this is the closest <laughs> thing to it. I was Literally? like, this, this, this is the best uh, example we're gonna that get. you guys have yeah. of, of you're going to get. Because yeah. the like so many of the one-star reviews and like really low reviews are like, why does Netflix hate bi people? I guess it had to have come out when Netflix was already in hot water about some other hashtag biophobia thing. Hashtag biophobia Netflix biophobia their own. thing, right. Yeah cancellation era Mm -hmm. but um or like another netflix original did Mm -hmm. bisexuals dirty and went other way but it's literally it's giving that like no okay in something to talk about there's a comment about like bisexuals in media or something that made me Mm -hmm. want to explode even if the character was like oh i thought it was lesbian turns out i'm bisexual it doesn't change the fact that she's actively cheating on, her on her girlfriend. So I don't know why bi people want this to be bisexual representation, right, right, but right. that's not helping the allegation. Right, right, right. All of this, like all that information that I just dispelled happened and like happens in the first like third of the movie, if not earlier. And then the whole rest of the movie is just seeing this struggle 
the the things that happen because of each action that happens, the wild dialogue. Mm-hmm. So none of that was hashtag spoilers, and I'm not going to say the ending ending of the movie. But also the entire time, her brother is trying to set her up with a man as well, because this entire time, her family <laughs> thinks that she's single. <laughs> and has, like, been trying to set her up on God. dates. And because the brother's really religious, he keeps on trying to set her up with, like, very Jewish men. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, not, she's, like, first of all, I'm non-practicing. Like, I don't want to be with mm-hmm. a, like, super religious person in general, mm-hmm. let alone someone who's, like, practicing a religion I don't. And two, she also identifies herself and thinks that she is gay and a lesbian. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, I don't want to be with a man and I'm non-practicing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just this camp mess all around. But you really <laughs> stick it out because you hate it. For a good bit, but then you're just like, why haven't I stopped it yet? Like, I could stop it, but I haven't. And it just, it kind of, it gets you just that little bit, just that little hook. It gets you, and you're just like, why do I kind of want to know what happens? Like, it's not good. It's kind of like watching, like, a car crash in slow motion. You're like, I can't look away, mm-hmm. but it's not good what I'm witnessing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's happening. But it's, so. it's very that. It's yeah. very that. Yeah. So fair. And what was that movie called? In English, To Each Her Own, mm. 2018. So yeah, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, that was a very long <laughs> episode. Thanks mm. for sticking around. Happy New Year. Thanks for spending 2021 with Year. us. We, we appreciate you Yay. so much. You can subscribe to our Patreon if you want extra content or early content, bonus content. Patreon.com slash Lavender Menace. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Lavender Menace Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at the Lavender Pod. And you can email us at the Lavender Menace Podcast at gmail.com with your hot takes or anything else you want to say to us, really. So, yeah, yeah that's all we have for you today. Now that we know how many of there are out exactly. there, y'all. Come find us. And you can follow me on Instagram at Renaissance Marie and Twitter, Renaissance First is an X. TikTok, I'm more active on TikTok now. So at Renaissance Marie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am, as many of you know, book hoarder on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a sunny book nook on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, basically, because it's my display name. So yeah, that's that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Awesome. Slay. Bye.